edition. <laughs> to my left, Steve Fazek, only two-time Super Contest champion. To my right, AJ Hoffman, the man who hates Coach K. Hated. Now, what is he like, dead now? I'm indifferent. You know, how? what would you think? What would you think if he said, you know, I'm coming back for one more year? I can't, I can't go out this way. I'd say shocker. This, this attention whore needs some more. You're really calling him a, such a pejorative? Yes. Why? Let's, what do you think? I bet you like Duke, right? Well, it's like an elitist school with like a, a top-notch lacrosse program. Like the so school of you went to. I do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that was my point. I mean, it yeah. took a while to get there. But, and you went to a school that you literally can't find on the internet. That's not true. Uh, come on. You, right now, how long would it take you to find if someone let's we'll have Faz do it. Find Belmont. You can't get there from here. You know, <laughs> I don't even know what I don't even know other than to be Sorry, in I didn't Tennessee. Go to Yale or do, Northwestern. I'm gonna guess. Do I fly into Nashville? It's in Nashville. All See, right. No one knows. Listen, Faz had a different upbringing. <laughs> For you, it was kind of like the fourth season of The Wire. <laughs> now, wait, were you Randy? Were you Dookie? Who were you? I don't know. Damon? I, I, I was none of those. I was just a, a student just eating barbecue every night. But I did do a lot of that. You know who you were? You were Presbalewski just as a kid. All right, Presbo. But but let's be. Uh, here's something that you've been. It's starting to irritate me. You don't you don't embrace the truth when it's inconvenient. I just told you I, I don't find Coach K a likable character, okay, and you've so latched now, onto that for some reason. That's what I'm saying. So admit it now and tell me why not. Because he's an asshole. He's an asshole. Yeah. You don't think he's the, is he the best coach ever? Yes. So is Belichick? You don't hate Belichick's more of an asshole than Coach K. He is. But you don't hate him. Belichick offends me less because what offends you is that sense of entitlement. That's why you pulled the rattler off on Steve. Yeah, the Woody Hayes, Bobby Knight, those those guys are fine. Right? I don't particularly like them either. No, you don't like Woody Hayes. I mean, Woody Hayes is fine. Bob, Bobby Knight, I don't care for. Like, is a like, I don't look at him as like some shining uh, example of a head coach either. Okay, we did a time shift, but we did a. Oh my God, wait for it. A week time shift. We just went, what, an hour and a half? Ish. And it was awesome. I explained why McKenzie hasn't gotten laid up to this point much and how he's going to get laid moving forward if he doesn't lose his hair. Yeah. We talked about, uh, I mean, I don't know how to say it, but you, the people you like and you don't like. Which I think is an unfair characterization. Fez was just, we talked about how tough he looked at age 29. Yep. He looked like the guy, and, and I'm going to repeat this line because it was so good, who would do uh, shrugs on the universal bench <laughs> at age 29. And you know what? Next week, and this is a well-deserved, well, I think both of the guys, AJ's missed one day since like August 1. You got three days off next week. Yes, sir. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. A little extravagant, but okay. <laughs> Fez has a family trip. Now, here's the beauty. We put about 90 minutes in the bank we're going to use for next week. But next week, Mackenzie and I are doing a full NBA preview because it's playoff time. Baby. It is. 
And I'm really been spending some time in the NBA. I, I'll dominate McKenzie. That's his. Oh, oh yeah. But I won't try to dominate him. <laughs> You'll accidentally dominate him. Yeah, it would just be messing around and got a triple double. <laughs> but, but let's get to the content because I do have a few things I could talk about. But no, <laughs> let's do it. Showtime! Woo! Dealer's choice, Faz. What do you want to talk about? Tucker overtime. Well, you know something now that I think about, it, I apologize. We wanted to lead with a little Tiger Woods stuff in case, because he doesn't tee off till 1030 Thursday. Some people will listen before that. What's your general thoughts on bets involving Tiger that you'd have to get in before his first tee off that doesn't involve the rest of the field? So it would be a matchup perhaps, or a make the cut, not make the cut. Okay. I am going to piggyback upon your thoughts, which I thought were brilliant. So here we've got Tiger. Big picture. No one knows how good he's going to be. All right. But I got some theories. But but by all reports, he looks good. He's doing things that we would be bullish on, like practicing putts on green locations that are only going to be there on Sunday, for instance. Stuff like that. Fake it till you make it. (laughs) So maybe it's a big charade. But you know he's interviewed and he's like, "Well, where do you want to be?" And he and he's saying, "Well, I'd like to be in contention on Sunday." You know, saying all the right things. Who knows if that's absolutely accurate? Bottom line is, after that devastating injury, he hasn't competed at all. You got to think if you're going to bet on Tiger, earlier is better. He knows the course real well. And, and, and I think the way I would say it is. And this is coming out of his mouth. I watched his a couple of his press conferences. I just wanted to get a feel. And he kept saying, ball striking won't be the problem. Ball striking Mm. won't be the problem. He said the hilly lies are a problem. You know, just being not with a solid base, the leg strength. So I don't know, right? He said if he stays in the fairways, he's fine. Go ahead. Do you have something? Oh, I, no, I was, I was, I've got something after you finish this. You know, that's a great point because I've, I used to struggle. I had ACL problems, and mm-hmm. so I, I was a golfer. And well, I can. Well, you were deadlifted six hundred pounds. Yeah, that probably caused problems. Um, but it, it really is true. Just even walking on an uneven ground or like having an uneven lie, it's amazing how difficult that can be. Because I could, I could run. I mean, I could run in a straight line, but just hitting a golf ball like on a hill sideways, it was painful. Hmm. So I think I didn't think of this till now. I think Tiger's range of outcomes are broader hmm. because if he's hitting, if he's missing a lot of fairways, he could have a disaster. But if he's hitting fairways, I think he could have a good you know rounds. What I know about Tiger, and you said who knows if it's BS what he's saying or not. I don't think Tiger would have signed up to play in this tournament if he didn't, in his mind, believe that he was going to win. Now, what he believes may be total bullshit well, in the real clear. world. Believes that he could win, not that he's going to win. Everyone knows that they're not favored to win the tournament, but they think they can win. I, I think the way Ty- I think the way Tiger thinks is he's going to win every tournament he enters. Like he believes going into every tournament, he's going to win. And I think there's a certain subset of people. I think it's semantics. I don't think I don't think that's that is possible. And if anything, I never went into a fight with the expectation that I could. I never thought about the possibility of losing. Okay, but what I'm saying is, you weren't one of a hundred people, right? If it was so, heads up, I get it. You can't, you know, even if it's a better fighter, you don't want to think. But the odds of you know, what's like the, tw- well, we know the 17th, 18th best golfer has about 50 to one odds in this mm-hmm. tournament. Does anyone that, have a, that has a 2% chance by the market, you could say he's got an 80% chance. 
And you know what? That's crazy. But even so, you can't think you're going to win every time. So it's, but I think it's Let semantics. me use an analogy. All right. When we play the Super Contest Gold, mm -hmm. you think you're going to win? No. You think there's a chance you're going to win? I think that we have as good a chance as anyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but again, I do think sometimes I'm one level away from the real nuts. And I do think maybe there's some nuts that mm. maybe, listen, you've been around elite. Here's the thing that we got to give AJ credit for. Your gym that you were fighting or, uh, you, or MMA, it ended up producing and you were sparring with these people, not necessarily full content, you know, yeah. uh, that ended up being champions, right? The, the current lightweight champion of the world, a former training partner of mine. Okay. So what's his name? Charles Oliveira. So, oh, Chucky. Chucky. You no, know, Charles. Oh, okay. Is... <laughs> Being exposed to these ultimately world-class athletes, do you think they thought what you were saying? I, I do. Okay. Well, next time you talk to him, maybe when he retires, we don't want to mess with his head now. I just want to understand it. But maybe that's the, the difference, Steve. Like entrepreneur, uh, as an entrepreneur, there's entrepreneurial spirits that are like, I think I'm in the top 5% of that. But there's people above me that in the following way, they would risk everything like, it's almost like having gamble, right? Like, I've got a lot of gamble. I don't have as much gamble as, like, a Stu Unger, mm -hmm. right? And the funny thing is, Stu Unger's gamble is one of the reasons he became the best. It's one of the reasons he lost so much, but it's the old story. And I've said this maybe two or three times over the last 10 years, but it's a great little quick thing, is if you can't stand getting beat, you can never rise to the highest level of poker, because inevitably, when you go up limits, that first, I don't know, 50 hours at a limit, you're going to have trouble winning at that oh, limit. I mean, even the, I'll, I'll use another handicapper, Steven Nover, good poker player. He Every time he lost in a poker tournament on a, on a bad beat, he couldn't handle it. He would like storm out there like, there's a rebuy. Nope. Going home. And imagine, though, but if he had a choice to play in another tournament that he was going to win most of the time, because cash games, if you stay, like, I know people that have been playing 1-5 or 1-2, um, 1-5 one one used to be 7 stud, 1-2, no limit, hold them, for, like, 20 years. And, like, they've had to get, and I'm talking about three, four times a week for years. Mm -hmm. At some point, you got to be able to play 2-5. Sure. Right? But, you know, I personally... I remember I was 2-5 for a long time. That's a big jump. The 2-5 is easy. 1-3 to 2-5 is easy. No, why? Because there's so many. It's obvious. There's guys at at, at, at most 2-5 games that don't belong. couple players, they're tourists. There used to be. I don't think there is. Yeah, things have changed a little. But at at but at 5-10, everybody looks like they belong. Now it's no, a well, different. No, well, what you get at 5-10. And so what ultimately happened, there was one March Madness, maybe like in 12, that I looked around and I said, you know, I might have, you know, I was hot maybe. I can't remember. I had a nice bankroll. And I saw the, the way that the 510 was playing. I'm like, I'm going to try this mm -hmm. thing. And I got lucky the first time, won big, won like my biggest win ever was 6,300 at the uh, Suncoast. That was a 2510 straddle, which yeah. was even higher. But I had about a year and a half that I was beating that game real good. From that time on, I never played 2 5. And then the games just started getting way tougher. And I lost maybe th four of six, and I've never played 510 again. I just can't keep losing and be okay with it. Mm -hmm. But that means that's why I'm not potentially thinking about 2550 right now. 
and it's you not could, a med- it's not a limitation you of intellect. You could be Stewie Younger and lose four out of six sessions. Yeah, but I was, I was, but you but know, you recognize, you know, if you know where you are in a hand. I did not know where I was in you, a hand. You know the the guy that wrote the man with the hundred thousand breasts. Yeah, hundred, yeah. Um, he even said, like in that book. He's playing in the in the in the World Series, and a dude fold, folded a full house to him. He had a higher full house, mm-hmm. and he says, "I am not winning the main event this year because this guy and a lot of other guys are so much better than me. Because not in a million centuries would I ever fold that hand that he just correctly folded against me." And and and, and that's what to me it's when the guy can, like I've said this before, and we'll move on from poker. But I think I'm one of the best bad player players. <laughs> In the world, I know how to exploit bad players so bad. I get under their skin. I oh my god! I start like take you know taking money out and waving it at them. Like and the funny thing is, because I if it triggers them, right? So RJ doesn't play optimally. He just plays optimally against a bad player. Oh my! Well. There's a yeah. big difference. Well, I'm probably not even optimal in certain plays against him, but they get residual effects. You make way more. You could make more, way more money than say Daniel even Negreanu, who would just play a great, a great A plus. I don't game. want to say that, but I, I've never I seen someone it. play so bad against bad players. But there's usually one. I want a guy that's aggressive. It's not someone that's going to fold. Anyone can bluff someone that's going to fold yeah. aces if you make a limit back, or not a limit, but the pot back. But I'm saying some really decent hometown hero players that didn't know what they were really doing that would get drunk. They'd have a big stack. And I'm telling you right now, there was nothing that made me happy. I would bluff. Like, I would bl- go, like, all the way there. You know, I'd, like, uh, you know. What do they call it? The sea bat and then, oh, two barrel. You know, I'd three. And then ba- triple barrel the river. I'd so three they go barrel like two, three the mama. Just, just to turn it over. Because I knew it would. Because, you know, again, it'd be smaller bats. So maybe I'm betting 220 at the end. If you're playing, you know, 510, you can have, you know, $3,000 pots, right? So, uh, and I'm telling you, I've had, oh, there's no, I, Vegas to me. I can tell you the night that I was at my pinnacle of like, I'm so happy I'm in Vegas. It was probably right around 2014, maybe 13. I was at the Bellagio. Now that was my favorite poker room. I haven't played since COVID. Um, you valet? Uh, uh, well, West uh, or North valet. Right, right. Yeah. So <laughs> you gotta know that. So uh, <laughs> I loved all, knowing all that shit too, mm-hmm. you know. And so you blast in off I-15. Oh yeah, because remember Flamingo is an easy. You know, I go down Trop, right? And yeah, boom, right? yeah. And boom! Literally 20 yards. There's your North Valley. They only that that a lot of people don't Not even know pe- about. Exactly. Boom! You pull up. And if you're a local, those those um again, if you hit you know what, but you tip them decent they're, they know you're local they don't mind they don't want you know they want the tourists to give them the you know yeah. I didn't feel a need to give like 20 bucks every time I valet and I you know give a nice number you know well probably not they're probably slightly below average I'd say and <laughs> maybe the median <laughs> but I was sitting there and it was like a Wednesday night I don't know why I was there and I was up maybe like 1800 and I'm thinking I worked today came down I got Comp the buffet, so I'm eating the buffet, buffet. like like five best. But I well that in the wind, I like that one the best. I did is um. Because he says music's a little loud. We're in in the casino, dude. 
So, so I eat that. I'm just relaxed. I like to eat that buffet by myself too, because I just I don't have to worry. Am I embarrassed? I'm getting that fourth play. I'm just doing it, right? I hope no one tapes it. So then, so then I go and play. I get up about 1500, and it's about 2:30, and I get hungry again. And I order, you know, they got that Asian place, right? That, that yeah. it's, you can't, they don't take reservations. It's way on the left wall by like, you know what I'm talking about? I do. And they have this like one fish that they fly in from the Mediterranean. Like literally they fly in daily. And I had the fish with the white rice and some hot sauce. And they brought like a silver free, because it was a lot of room, right? So it was like we were in Bobby's room. They bring a silver tray, you know, with the thing over top. I got a leg up on a chair, I'm eating, throwing hands away, turn, re-raise, collect another 150. And at one moment I looked around and I said, I want to be nowhere else. <laughs> this is exactly where I want to be. I'm eating my second, well, you know, and again, when you were playing that money. Your bang that, bang. That, well, it was seven, eight hours later, but that, that meal cost probably like 45 bucks. You know, it didn't even, like you don't even, that's the dangerous thing about poker or strippers. That's like strippers get into this is how do you care about 15 bucks when that money's flowing like that? That's my, my, my blinds and a couple orbits. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, you know, one of my favorite, there was a guy named Rick that was like my first mentor way back in Ohio. He was a good poker player for the, you know, Ohio. I don't even know how good he was. He might've been real good. I don't know. Um, cause we were playing different games. We weren't playing hold them. I, my low ball draw was my road game. That's a good game. Big dealer advantage game. So <laughs> I remember right when I moved to town, I met Mason Malmuth, the, the poker guy. And we were walking out to his car. I, I didn't end up knowing Mason all that well, but we walked out to his car. And um, <laughs> you upset? You don't have stories like this? You're no, like knocking the mic. I, I banged my knee on the desk underneath here and it moved everything. And uh, I go, hey, I like Because he wrote a book on, uh, hold, or I'm sorry, on low ball draw. And I go, I loved your lowball draw book. He goes, why? He goes, I don't think anyone's bought that book in 15 mm. years. You know, this would have been like 98 or whatever. And I said, uh, oh, that's my, you know, that's my road game back home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was dealer's choice, but people would play like seven stud, which was crazy. There's no dealer advantage. You're the dealer. Pick a game that says big deal, right? Exactly. So uh, to round it all up. I think the financial thing. Oh, Rick, I was saying. Rick said, <laughs> so we were playing 4-8 limit back then, right? But I was like 22 years old. I was just learning to play a little bit. And I read uh, Hold'em for Advanced Players. I read The Theory of Poker, which I think is probably the most important gambling book ever written, Theory of Poker, and uh, by Skolansky. A couple more of the books. And I was starting to learn. And these guys were like American Legion players, you know, so they weren't very good. Rick was though, but one day Rick was losing and losing. And what we would do is we'd order pizza like halfway through the night. It was always Thursday night. So we'd watch the Thursday night game and order pizza. And it was great. And I was averaging about 200 bucks a month out of there. So four, you know, yeah, 50 a day. But, you know, some days I'd lose, some days I'd win. But I was making about 200 a, a month, which was good. Wait, limit for it? Yeah. Yeah, so more than the 2-4 because the 2-4 get raked to death, right? Well, th this game wasn't being raked. It was. It wasn't at the Suns. It was at the, um, not the VFW. I think, it, I don't mm. remember VFW, but one of the, you know, mm. lodges or whatever. And uh, so it was like a 6-8 person game. Oh, same 6-8 people for years. Mm. 
so Rick, the pizza came, and I was a kid. I'm like, Rick, you want some pizza? You know, he was like 45 maybe. And he goes, nah, nah. He goes, leave me alone. Finally, he wins one big pot. He gets up, gets like two pieces of pizza. He's eating, he's drinking. I go, <laughs> I go, <laughs> I go, Rick, pizza any good? He goes, oh man, it tastes good. He goes, I couldn't even have any until I won. I didn't get it. <laughs> and that's true. When you're losing like that, you could be so hungry and you don't want any food. Right? It's like your mind is like you got to start that losing streak somehow. Can't even sleep. You come home. You're like you oh, hug, you, you hug the, hands the pillow. Through, and the hands are going through your head. Yeah. If you play like 14 hours, that's all you got. Yeah. And and the funny thing was later that night I go, how much you lose, Rick? And, yeah, you know, he might have lost like 600. He goes, you know, I lost 600. He goes, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to walk about half a mile to save 19 cents on grapes. <laughs> To make it back eventually. And, and you know what? He's so right. A gambler who is going to lose eight, you know, 800, 8,000 is the type that will drive across town to get the coup- use the coupon on grapes. Yeah. Why? I don't understand that. You have that in you. I, I used to. Now, I, you shop for the best deals on Amazon. Like that's one of your, like that's your like hobbies. A sport, it's a sport for me. It is. <laughs> it's like a game. He's evaluating. It yeah. is. I'm having fun with it. But I will say this: I still care about it at the high level. Like if, like we had some vendor that tried to screw us over, mm-hmm. I would have, I would have went to court for ten years to not get screwed up. But if it's a, if it's a dollar or two now, I can't bring myself to care. <laughs> you know, I'd say anything. I'd say I care about 60 bucks. I don't okay. care. Yeah. No, listen, I'm not going to give 40 away. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's the lowest coin you drop on the ground you don't pick up? I pick them all up just out of, res- <laughs> out of respect for currency. Mm. It's illegal, actually, to throw coins away. I didn't throw anything away. I just dropped my pennies and didn't pick them up. That's different. Remember, I spent about three summers pitching quarters. That's all I did all summer. <laughs> okay. I tell you this, you don't want to pitch me in quarters. I'll pick up a quarter. You want to pick up a quarter with me? No, I'll pick up a quarter I drop. Oh. A dime a dime is is um a thousand dollars drops and a, you don't even pick it up. If it's a dime, it's a casualty of war. <laughs> uh, book, uh mark that, please. It's <laughs> good that's actually a good mark. Yeah, it is. We gotta pull that one. All right, Fez, go. We're talking tiger, right? Yeah, let's finish. Yeah, so so uh, where where I'm getting, I want to bet against tiger. All right. So I'm, I'm hopeful the public keeps betting him, and I can get some kind of attractive price. No, what do you think the true price should be? Two hundred to one. Point five percent, and I think I'm being generous. If he wasn't hurt, but he had been off this long, what would it be? Probably eighty to one. That's horrible. I, I think you're way. Remember now, he won it. Was it nineteen? He won it in nineteen. And here's the thing that I think I was first with, but it was interesting. Remember when you and Cofield, oh. you were booking Cofield. He was batting Tiger like three straight majors, and he and he was almost the best won. golfer in the world. Yeah, <laughs> and I was giving him like thirty to one over. But but remember, he was. It looked like he wasn't the best golfer because he had had years that were bad. Right? right, but he was really having a nice renaissance yes. in his early forties. Well, I know I don't was think it was that long ago. It was three it was years ago. Three four. years ago. Yeah. Four. Let's call it four. four. So the point I'm making is that. Tiger during that stretch, if you looked at the four, I think I'm doing this by memory. If you look at the four majors, he had the lowest score. You're right. 
So, I mean, in theory, that's the ultimate change. He, he hadn't won any of those majors. He won the next year. So that would have been, I think, 18. But he was playing as well as anyone. So to me, I don't think going to 46 screws you up. I think it does. No, 46. There's only I, been like three guys that yeah, have won a major at age 46 or yeah, older. Yeah, but the difference is Jack Nicholas looked you, like he was 55 when he won then. And we talked about this today. It's a none, different era. None of those guys started as the athlete that Tiger Woods is. Like none of the none of the golfers who won in, in their older years started as elite athletes and Tiger has been an elite athlete for like from a physical standpoint well, for a long time until now. Yeah. But also there was before that renaissance he had there was feelings that his body was breaking down yeah. prematurely versus other people and that he wouldn't be able and to it's carry an that forward. It's an interesting debate because once he seemed to get past that, was it inevitable that it was going to uh, be de- uh, debilitated again? I don't know. Let's just mm-hmm. say this. If he if he's physically was dropped off just the amount you would expect in those couple years, I think he would be 30 to 1. If mm. not 20 to well, 1. Well, the fact that I gave Cofield 30 to 1 when he was at the top of his but, but game, you, you, you didn't could see, say that was You that. didn't see he was at the top. You're, right. You're right. This is an example like AJ was talking about when North Carolina beat Duke. I didn't. This was before the first of these tournaments. I, then you were so happy you beat him, you wanted to like do it again. Yes, and I was just like, Ridiculous, and then they gave him like eighteen to one when he was twelve, and it just kept like, and he kept just missing. Right? And the funny thing was, he ended up he was paying you with like five dollar bills. Like he was back twenty the five dollar bills that looked like the, the, he got him back in New Jersey when he was had a job as a stock boy. Match at the grocery plays, store. go ahead and get the, the expectation value. <laughs> yeah, it was, he, you were hurting him with those, but when it was, but uh, so I guess my point is, this is all about the injury to me. If Tiger's exactly. injury isn't a major problem, then I think these odds are if, fair because the layoff would maybe bring me up to 45. You see, now I, where I'm going is that he is, he is at the point where the injury has, if it's any kind of a factor, his margin of error is shot. He's 46. The only way he can win is for everything to go right. Well, let's, let's say— And now it can't. Let's say top 20 then, because to win, everyone's a long—I mean, other than AJ's friends, everyone is a long shot to win. I'm thinking about dumping 20 grand on him, uh, laying the no. Well, what's I, the no right now? I got to risk 100 to win a dollar. 100 to win a dollar. So 20 grand would win me two, 200. It would be Where the would great— you, Would you post it up? Yeah, because it would it'd be resolved in three days, so I don't care if I post up or not. Well, you think he's not going to make – well, you can care if the, you don't get the money back. <laughs> Either way, I'm not going to I mean, if it's, the, if it's licensed, I mean. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, right. But, I mean, it's offered at Circa. That, okay. And, and I, to be honest, if he won the tournament, it would be like the greatest upset I, I, can, I can think of other than that one soccer team. Um, but so if he, so you you're know, saying if you lost 100000 it would be the greatest upset. So that means you would, for the rest of your life, be reminded of it. Why would that be a good thing? Well, I'm not going to – he's not going like to – the greatest said, upset of my said, lifetime. If you said, I made my biggest bet ever on the Russians in 1980 versus USA. Hockey. I remember when I lost a used Mazda on Tiger Woods. <laughs> I think the U.S. on the money line was like 5-1 to one in that game. It wasn't nearly what people so say So yours would have been even worse. <laughs> so I, I, I just – Don't look, do it. You're the one that always says you can't get a fair line with that straddle. Well, if I if I truly believe what I said, two hundred to one, 
then I sh- I'd need to risk 100 to win one if I, if, if I believe he's got a half percent chance. But here's the thing. I don't think human beings can really delineate between a half percent and one percent. But actuaries can. That's no, what but, they but, do. But actuaries <laughs> can with solid numbers, not with numbers that represent conjecture. What would you represent the number? Percent whatever wise. it would be, it'd be a representation. It wouldn't be. Yeah, it wouldn't be me, empirical. Yeah, you're RJ Bell. Give me, give me. Yeah, your, well, but it wouldn't be empirical for anyone. Doesn't matter. Give me, give me the. What, what's his percent chance of winning? I RJ fucking Bell. Come I, on. I've come around. I've come around on this. My first thought was unload all you can against them. Right. Not. A, I wouldn't have looked at that. But you know, any like not to make the cut. Right now, it's even money, right? He's now a favor to not make the cut. Yeah, if it was even money, now it's moved like 10 cents. Excuse right? me, he's plus 110 to not make the cut, minus 120 to, to make it. That's so. a big move. He was the dog to make the cut, now he's the favorite. Right, so public, that is public spatting, right? But here's, right, Mo, I assume that's public money, I think. I don't know. Masters yeah. is the most bet. Oh, no question. And Tiger's the most bet. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what was it, the fourth or so uh, most tickets and most cash? Yeah. And there's an over-under in his first round, which was 75 and a half. Now it's 74 and a half. So it's moved a whole stroke in his favor to the lower end. And I think that's round. just people watching him play practice rounds. And Yeah. But I'll tell you this. I would love to bet, oh, if, if we knew he was going to make, well, I guess that screws the bet up. But I would bet, if I could bet over that he makes the cut, and, and and here's what I was going to bet. What do you think of this? Yes, that he makes the cut. No, he doesn't make top 20. So now I can't lose both. Finishes somewhere between 21 and 55 probably. Yeah. You know, I don't like that he makes the cut. I I would green button you on that. I I just think it's too much public money in that direction. It's just he can't be the you favorite. Just, you just said that you didn't think that it was public money. There's some public money. Well, yeah, you know what blows my mind, though, real quick, is Westgate put out their live, or who had the most tickets, who had the most cash. Tiger was fourth in tickets and fourth in cash. If you would have told me he was fourth in tickets, I would have guessed he was 10th in cash. Right, because all these $10 public guys. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the only thing I can think of, the only thing I can, oh, wow, this is the new ones? Okay. This was the one we referenced on Straight Out of Vegas. Well, no. The one we referenced Straight Out of Vegas had Tiger Woods. He was like third or fourth in the ticket count. Ah, same guy, different tweet. Yep, 354, yeah, 354. today. <sighs> it is the new one. All right. So um, <laughs> so this is what I would have expected. So now as of this one from Jeff Sherman, it was ticket count, Tiger Woods is first, and money wagered he's fifth. But – an, an hour or two before that, it was, it was third and third, fourth and fourth. fourth and fourth. Shocker, so, you called it co- completely right. That now the public didn't, public hasn't paid. What I'm saying, isn't it interesting though that with the, amongst the wise guys, he was getting bet just as much as other people were. So, because that's the only way you're going to have your ticket. So that means that, that, that he, now with Circa, if people was betting against him, I can see that. But I mean, Westgate didn't have nose up, did they? They did not. So you would think most Tiger money is pro-Tiger money. Well, I guess they have a lot of matchups. Interesting. Go ahead. Say your thing, and I was going to say no, something. No, I think your matchup stuff, I think you should talk about Brandon like Webb. Yeah. So I was, before, right before we went on air, I said, I got a feeling if we look at, I didn't even see these numbers, but I said, let's look at his matchups and compare them to where he's ranked in the, to win it pool, right? The mm-hmm. tournament pool. So he was about 15th or 16th in the tournament pool. And... Webb Simpson 
was so Tiger's like forty five to one or forty mm-hmm. to one. Webb Simpson was one hundred and thirty to one. Am I remembering that right? Correct. All right, one hundred and thirty to one, but they had them in a matchup: Simpson versus Tiger, and Simpson is like minus one eighty. Now, what's amazing about that is not just that he's favored. 63% chance. He's a mat- And people who bet golf matchups will tell you, you got to be way better than the other dude to be sniffing, a, 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 to be, being a two-to-one favorite. You yeah. know? I mean, that's that's saying that these golfers are— These guys are clearly better. Clearly better. And he's getting triple the pay. Triple. That's that, that, what, what that's saying is that there's a whole lot of variance associated with how Mr. Woods is going to play this tournament. Or it says there's a whole, it's a different a whole lot whole, of money. Yeah, there's a lot of dead money. Yeah, it, Fez and I talked about earlier today th- that there are people, I think, who are just putting money on Tiger almost from like a nostalgia standpoint. Like, I just want to have, I want to have something to cheer for, something to hold on to. There's a professional gambler that's actually good that said, I had to have a ticket on Tiger. I, I, said I saw that, his podcast and I was like, what? RJ, if, if Mike Tyson today announced he was coming out of retirement, and he said, I'm going to fight Tyson Fury for the World Heavyweight Championship. There's almost zero chance that Mike Tyson today could possibly beat Tyson Fury. But there would certainly be people out there who are putting money on Mike Tyson to beat Tyson Fury. Just because they, they think back, what if he lands that big shot? What if that, what if that moment happens? Here's where I maybe swung a little bit. Tiger only gets to come back once. If he comes back in his shit, it's going to take away from the comeback. It's going to be, oh, good story. He can walk the course, right? If he came back a year later, let's say two years after the accident, and ended up making the cut, finishing 23rd, no one would say it took him two years. If anything, it makes it more of a comeback. Agreed. It took that long. He wouldn't be playing right. And you know why I'm almost thinking I might want to bet you on this is because he wasn't sure he was going to play. He came and kept playing practice rounds. He was seeing how he recovered. There was some threshold in his mind he had to pass to play. Three days ago, there was a line, Will Tiger Woods hit one shot in the Masters. Mm-hmm. The yes was favored, but it was only like minus 350. Yeah, but I don't think that market had any idea, really. It didn't, yeah. But I think by watching what Tiger did... It seemed like he was seriously considering. It was not perfunctory. It was not going through the motions. Did it feel like it to you? Oh, absolutely. I would but say absolutely what that the last three days I've raised Tiger's power rating, if you will, tr- just tremendously. Because by, of why? Because of all the media reports and his own interviews, everything looks like you know this isn't just a show. This guy. He's he's coming. He says he's coming to win. So you realize he, you wouldn't, but you wouldn't. He wouldn't come out there if you thought he was going to, or he thought he was going to embarrass himself. Well, well I that's thought, different than winning, or, and, or even making the. And cut. I was thinking, you know, endorsements and just him showing up and all the money that's going to get, you know, th- that he's going to. That make. money only happens one time, that, and he could have had it next year. Yeah, but he can have it this year and next year. No, but it won't be the same next year. It'll be just it'll be a guy that's likely not winning. It'll be like Jack Nicholson. Tiger's on. still look at what this could oh, do dude, the ratings. Come on. It was ten years. What he doesn't get paid for that. It was ten years, but I mean like oh eighty one and he hardly won again till nineteen. I think I think just getting the he, he, when you say he doesn't get paid the, the he's, every shot he takes is gonna be on him and what footwear he's wearing and what glove he's wearing. If we if we were able to rewind back to 2019, 
Like if we did this show the Wednesday before the Masters 2019 when Tiger hadn't won a major in 11 years, and I said, I think Tiger Woods is going to win the Masters this weekend. Like what would you, what would you have said? Well, like, the only difference was he had had such a good year the year before. He, he, was, pro- he was right there as amongst the favorites. Yeah, right? he was fourth favorite, 14 to 1 that year. Okay. Yeah. So now, two years before that, you If I said in 2016 he's going to win one in the next three years? You would have been batting Fez with Cofield. Right. So your 40 to 1 number is looking pretty good, I think. If he was like, like if four years ago he's 15 to 1, yeah. now he's 46, that Assuming feels about Assuming he right. didn't have the accident. Yeah. So I think no doubt there's no value on the 40 to 1. Uh, I mean, he's never missed a cut. This is his course. And it's like, and, and to me, and this is a course that's very predictive by all accounts. That if, if you do well at, at some courses, yeah, it's, it's but the not difference predictive. here is his strength was his long irons and his ability to have such lower body strength mm. to hit on the lie, like we were yeah, talking about. Yeah. So, or on an uneven lie. Let me, last thing for me on this. So, you're saying he, there's so much motivation for him to come back now. That seems to contradict the idea that he truly was considering not playing unless he saw the signs he wanted to see. Which one do you think it was? Do you think he truly had a bar he wanted to pass to play or he was in the back of his mind he thought he would, but he, deep down he knew I'm going to play regardless. I'll just make it, you know, I'll rationalize why I shot bad that, you know, that practice round. Which one do you think it was? I don't think he would have got played unless he felt like he could go out there and shoot under par. Okay, so that's my point. Then it has nothing to do with money. Mm. Like it's nothing to do with like the Nike exposure, right? Mm-hmm. Is it, it, maybe that's what made him want to play to start with, but it wasn't going to trump his great ability. Take, I which think, I, I think he's a great competitor. I think yeah. that diminishes him in a way. Mm. I don't think it's just to promote Nike. Why he loves golf? Do you? Maybe that's why you do it. Gosh, I tell you what, if you told me I can make $12 million if I can just get out on the course and then my natural competitiveness is but like, that, but, but I've got to practice You're talking about not, betting, not worrying about, uh, you know, X hundred dollars or whatever is, what is that money to Tiger relative to you? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, mean, I don't I don't know what Tiger's financial they, situation they, is with they, all this. Oh, come on. With but also, what? Tiger well, has on. to worry about his legacy. Like, long-term, like we always talk about it in football, like, what do you think of your long-term leg? Like, Tiger wouldn't go out there and make a fool of himself. I agree See, with the, that. The, I disagree. Mm. The following way, I think, no, here's what I disagree with. I don't think he'd go out there thinking he'd do that. Yeah. But I don't think he can hurt himself. Because if he plays horribly, it just makes it all the more amazing How he was able to play at all. Yeah, that's a good point. Right, Alex Smith playing like crap. And people were still, oh, my God, what well, a hero. And I think rightfully so, yeah. to be honest. I think you, you, at the same time you could say this is maybe the worst quarterback in the league, and he's a hero. You know, yeah. I'm going to mend how I'm betting this, though. I like where you're going here. Let me go out and root for Tiger. I'm not going to bet him not to win. Because- so by you not betting – I'm implicitly it's, it's, betting on him exactly. because I should be basic strategy says I should be fading the public. Root for him to have Well, a, when the public's laying getting 40 and you had to lay a hundred. No. Root for him to have a really nice first round with an early tea time when the wind's not gonna be uh, blowing as much. And then he's got a later tea time on Friday when the wind's gonna blow more. And maybe if he shoots three under to start, now that I I can bet the no maybe at fifty to win a dollar. What were the no? Oh, to win the tournament. To not yet. To not win the tournament. Risk 50 to win a buck. I do think that – I think he'll have his moment. Here's the question. How long do they keep where you don't have carts? Because at what point should – like if Tiger Woods can play and compete – I'm not saying this year. But if Tiger Woods could compete but the only thing stopping him was using a cart, how dumb would golf be to not let him use a cart? 
Well, they had this whole issue with yeah. the guy with the degenerate leg uh-huh. circumstance. Degenerative, he, I think, yeah. He's not degenerate. The leg wasn't gambling all night. <laughs> <laughs> and then ult- ultimately some of the lesser events gave him an exemption, a yeah. medical exemption, I uh-huh. believe. I, so I don't know if that's what's, what, what but, will happen. There'll be a medical exemption for players with a clear-cut medical condition. And if I recall, wasn't Tiger, and I don't remember, I think he was really against the card, though, if I remember. I don't remember. I don't. I, I we should look it up. But like, I I think that you're right. Like the Masters would be foolish because obviously their viewership is going to be way up versus a Masters without Tiger. I Will mean, it be triple or double? I, I would bet triple. Well, my analogy is Texas Tech. Oh God, I knew it. I knew you were doing that shit. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We got a little bit of overtime discussion bleed over. You really killed it last week, but on the Unexpected Points pod, uh, there was the fellow who went to Stanford, and he was the guy who was like the the mind behind the XFL's rules changes, and he was a Stanford. That's where Johnny wants to go, right? Yes. How's Johnny's toy? Does he like that toy? He's got it. He's got it out, and he's starting to assemble it. All it's right. not done yet. The plane. The, the, it's a, it's yes. like a physics. It's, it's a Stanford it's a, kind of toy. Yeah, it's cool. And uh, well, it was a discount. It was one of those Amazon discounts. And um, hey, I got you. What did I? I got get? a vacuum. How? What was it? Like a five hundred dollar vacuum? Yeah, for, for like seventy bucks. Yeah, that's the way I roll. Then I sent you one that was a Nike football that was like eighty bucks for like five bucks for your boy. I slept in and missed that deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, You're up at all hours doing that. Well, let's just say it's away from me. I do like twenty minutes. You know how like. Like when you used to be in the bars and you were single, did your buddies ever say, let's take a lap? No. So the move was you just walk the edge of the bar to see if there's anyone you hadn't seen. Gotcha. Yet. Okay. Do an orbit. Yeah. An orbit. Uh, okay. Yeah, I know like what you're talking about. Yeah. Orbit. Yeah. So for me, I can kind of go through all the 70 plus percent discounts that accrued in the last three hours or four. So at the end of the night, I'll do a quick pass. Okay. Okay. So um, that guy in, in Kevin the host of the show, Cole, talked through the overtime rules in depth. Why don't you kind of give what you thought their main points was and if your mind was changed at all fast. And maybe start, if you don't mind, with where you left it last week. Okay, where I left it left last week was that the, the two-for-one aspect was the dominant or, or the most important of all the factors. In other words, if you start with the football and you don't score, get a field goal, and your opponent – does the same, then you get that third possession. And so you essentially become sudden death, and that's a huge edge, obviously. And I said, you know, that's just got to be more significant than the perfect information edge that the second possession team gets, that they get that ball second. And my assumption was that I, 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 my general consensus feeling before I talked to you was I'd rather just have the second possession every time. I would give them the ball every time. But you talked me off of that. What's what's changed? So this podcast was very interesting. They brought up some great points that when properly played, the team getting the ball second can really help minimize that 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 third sudden possession, sudden death. Because not only what's obvious is that you score a touchdown – you have to kick the extra point. You can't go for two because it would be stupid. And then I'm the second possession team. Boom. I'm After my touchdown, I'm always going for two. It's very obvious. You can think about it. Just game theory. Okay. But what isn't so obvious is how I can really alter my play knowing, wow, if it goes to a third possession, I'm at a disadvantage, a clear disadvantage. So you know what? 
if I have a fourth and five now and I'm down three, even if I'm in field goal range, I'm going for it. Because if I try the field goal, I could miss it. Even if I make it, I'm only going to win maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're pushing the ball back into their court, essentially. I might win 38% yeah. of the time. It doesn't matter if it's 35 or 43. I'm clearly a major dog to win. Ha! So we're not going to tie. I'm going to do everything yeah. humanly possible to avoid that type. Same thing, let's say you punt, and I get the ball, and I've got a fourth and two on my own 28. You're not going to punt. Not ain't going to be no punting. You know, you're, yeah. we're going to go. We're going to go. And so when properly played, I'm at the point where, you know what, it's too close to call now. I still greatly prefer the ball, and here's why. That assumes the second possession team is going to have the wherewithal to trust the analytics and go for it aggressively on these fourth and fives and the like. And I just don't think enough teams are going to be willing to do that. And because they're going to be, I believe the second possession team will be too conservative in those spots that the first possession team will still have that clear advantage. Not not, not a huge advantage, but a clear advantage taking the ball first. While admittedly you're smarter than me, I still think if I were a head coach, I would take the ball second. In overtime. And what would be the main factors? Just because I, I know everything exactly what I need to do and what I can't do. Now, did you? I just went and got some water. Did you talk about the aggression, the level of aggression of the second team? Is if it's high, it's a be- greater benefit. Exactly right. Okay. The, 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 basically, what I what I ch- yeah, changed yeah. my opinion where uh-huh. I said, you know what? If the second possession team plays this hyper aggressive game, which is proper. And does whatever they can to try to avoid a tie after the first two possessions. I don't think I have an edge anymore taking the ball first. I just don't think they're going to do it. So you think I, Chargers, Colts, teams like that with coaches who like to push, those those are the teams that are going to take the ball second? I think it's going to be at that point, it's it's almost a wash. It's almost it's almost so close that you can't Which even tell. Which in a way, let's give the NFL credit. If you can't figure out whose advantage it is, it means you've taken the luck out of yes. it. Yes, exactly. So it's a win no matter what. So this is just, and there's still people debating, they like the the other, the old rules better, and it just drives me crazy. Play because defense. I'm like, how can you possibly argue with one system that clearly is biased versus another system that we, we have to, we're arguing over who sh- whether you should take the ball or not. That's good. That means it's a pretty close to fair system. So here would be, um, I thought of this analogy, and then we can move on, is... Imagine if you score with one second left in regulation, you're down one, but it's the old, old overtime rules. And I mean the old sudden death from the start. So 10 years ago, whatever. Right. And you were told ahead of, and they flipped the coin before you decided to go for two. Oh, that's nice. I like that. And they that. flipped the coin and said, oh, they won the toss. Ain't going to be no overtime. <laughs> Ain't gonna be no rematch. So, I, I mean, at that point, you go for two, have right? To. You have Always. to. Isn't that the exact scenario? Exact scenario. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. All right, let's talk a little college basketball and your disdain for Coach K. But again, you hate him. That's fine. Um, that North Carolina Duke game. A lot of people talking about it being an all-time. Like Kentucky Duke. How good was the game? I thought it was incredible. I, I thought it was about as good as you could be. And I think the the surrounding stuff with it, like Coach K, his last game. I, I thought that just upped the ante on it. I, I thought it was phenomenal. Now, if they play ten times, what do you think uh, the split is? It's, it's probably five five. I, I think it's those teams. Those two teams are obviously pretty close. Whoa. What? I mean. 
Duke was a four-point favorite. Okay. Over over a sample size of 30-plus games played by each team. So now, based upon one game that differed from the spread by eight points, we're going to suddenly move the spread four points? I mean, they beat him against the spread twice. Where I tend to agree with AJ a little bit, at least directionally, is if you look at shotquality.com, in the first matchup, it was um, refresh. Duke won handily, right? Duke won the game handily on in, but if in you reality. Look at the shot quality numbers, and we've talked about this, but just quickly, it just says who's shooting, where is he shooting, how far away is the defender, what's the expectation of this shot. That's what we count, not what actually happens. Pretty good, right? And that first game was a was a coin flip. Huh? Second game was a clear as it was a clear North Carolina win. But here's the thing: in this game, it was what was this third game? I can't. It remember. was a it was a Duke win by shot quality. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think it's a. It's a I don't. How could yeah? Fez got a good point. In my mind, I was thinking it was another North Carolina one. They they won the game, but they didn't win the shot quality. So it seems like it was a. I think the, those three games were split. It's fair to say, you know. Whereas. Even though North Carolina, well, no. I think North Carolina was a different team in the second half of the season than they were in the first half. And the first half is weighed, the analytics weigh so heavily on them in the first half that they're probably, I don't know how many times they'd have to beat them before they became an even flip But if that's true, flip then with them. just value the whole time betting. So, so you made your biggest bet of the year on I did bet North on North Carolina. Carolina. But was Good. it, did you think the line, if you were forced to bet at, at um, if Duke was minus one, if, if I said, all right, I got a gun, it's loaded, you got to pick a bet here. Duke at minus one, who do you bet? Force bet. North Carolina. Okay. So we, we could have the same conversation about the North Carolina-Kansas game. I would have bet North Carolina. And then and then I'd say, well, see, three. Three I'd looks be dead. like maybe it was the right number. <laughs> it lands three. Now, if they played that game 20 times or 100 times, what do you think the outcome is? Kansas, North Carolina. Uh, well, now the first thing we got to qualify is with the big man beat up. Baycott being hurt. Yeah. Um, and when he got hurt was key. And it's so hard because when that, he got hurt, he got hurt the prior game. Or, yeah. But when he left the game also, I think was a big factor in, in the result of the championship game. Down by one with the ball, 50 seconds left. Okay, so well, they didn't have the ball. With him being well, hurt. He got oh. hurt as he turned over. He got over hurt the as ball. he turned over. That, that's that's false. Did you see the floorboard came up a little bit? Yeah, they, they isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, yeah and, the, and the and the biggest um, you 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 think oh that could happen and you know an Atlantic Ten quarterfinal, but but not in the final four. But actually, it's football stadium that they just laid that those raised floors. It's more yeah. likely to happen. I get my thought was it's hard for me to imagine North Carolina getting such a big halftime lead that many times out of a thousand. So, did it against Baylor? They did, but it's also hard for me to consider can come up with the idea of them blowing that big of a lead a thousand times. So I, I don't know. So I, what would you make the, if they had to play again with Baycott a little bit hampered? What would you what, what would you make the the spread? Carolina plus plus three plus two. Hmm. It's interesting how you're not willing to go to pick, and I know why you're not willing to go to pick like Air with Duke because they beat Duke. But they lost to Kansas. But yeah. I would I would argue that that's just kind of random. I, I I mean, again, if I if it were a pick, and RJ and I talked about this before the game actually happened, I, I'd I'd pick North Carolina. But but if Kansas had had lost by eight, you'd be talking about how Carolina should be favored in that game. Yeah, that's true. 
Well, but here's the catch-22 is these college teams, and I think it's not as much the case in college basketball, but in college football, lines will move seven points on one game. Because college football teams oftentimes only play three games the whole season. That's what I'm saying. But I think so, that's not true in college basketball. Yeah, but but to some degree, how many games really – see, basketball has got – it feels like it's got so much luck in it. It's funny because – it's one game, right? So that's luck versus seven or whatever. But football's, you know, interception, one or two interceptions will kill a team, right? Mm. But it does feel like, you know, the old cliche, it's a make or miss league. And it's in some time, it's like, I think the shot quality concept is really interesting. I just wonder if you looked at, and I'm going to study this for next year. If you just look at the shot, if you said the shot quality number is the true number. And let's see who's who has the biggest delta from that number summed up their margin mm-hmm. over the year versus the actual margin. And whoever is much better with their shot quality, you bet on them. I, I got a feeling there's something there because it does feel like there's a lot of you know luck in these three pointers. And I don't, I don't know. I think maybe the story is there isn't a story. Maybe, you know, like I was telling AJ, this would be the last thing for me on this game, is I was telling AJ, imagine if we were flipping a fair coin and us three were in some kind of round robin where, you know, we had to play each other five times or whatever, and I won three championships in a row. RJ's better. But, yeah, it'd be like, I wonder if he's flipping the coin using his wrist in this way or that. No, it's 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 literally 50-50 each flip. I got lucky in this hypothetical one. One, and you know what? I had the exact same chance the next game as I did the first game. But how do you talk about that? The human mind craves patterns. It wants to find patterns. And, and we want to believe what we saw to be th- the gospel. Because otherwise, what's the point? Exactly. And and this is documented in Schlesinger's excellent book, Blackjack Attack, where he talks about a team had four different guys, t- player A, B, C, and D, and they all play 50,000 hands. And there's wild variants, and they're supposed to adhere to the team's criterion, you know, spreading their bed, bet from 1 to 12 and t- based upon the count and get away from the shoe completely when it's a big negative count, et cetera. But yet player A is up. 173 units, and player C is down 12. And they're like, oh, but player C, they disclose, he gets scared, and he doesn't get the chips out enough. He doesn't bet that full 12. And they give all the reasons why this would be the case. And then they said, ah, we tricked you. They actually all played completely according to the book. It's just random variance that that happens. And here's the thing. That's thousands of hands or hundred or I don't know how 50,000. Okay. I mean, it's, it's it might have only been 20,000. Yeah, some but huge thousands and thousands. thousands. We're talking about one game. Yeah. Right? <laughs> one hand of blackjack. Well, you know, maybe each possession's a hand, but okay. Yeah, right? that's probably better. So how many possessions in a college game? 80. Yep. Yeah, so 80 hands. Now, imagine if you and God were just buddies. Like somehow, some way, you did him a solid, you're in. George Burns style. Well, he was God, I guess, in the movie. So... God comes down and says, you know what I'm going to do for an entire football season? I'm going to tell you it's time for Fezzik to win a third Super Contest. Thank you, God. (laughs) He screams right into the mic again. Drink. (laughs) And God said, I'm going to tell you God's line, as I like to call it, on every game. So let's say, for example, Pittsburgh's playing Baltimore. It's in 
Pittsburgh. The Lions guard says, pick them. Now, all that means is the normal distribution of points is going to have its high point, the bell curve, as it's called, its high point right at Pickham. Yeah, this isn't going to – I need to know who wins. Okay, and, and <laughs> there's not gonna, so good. You think about it is whatever degree – I mean, I guess six points, um, uh, you know, the teaser range is going to be – what was it, 69% or whatever, you know, is going to fall within the teaser range. And so you just think of the normal distribution. There's going to be like a, health, like a healthy number of games, 10 points off. It's going to be Pittsburgh wins by 10, wins by 12. Like even if God was on your – I guess God can dictate – God can – he would know the outcome, but he's not giving you that. He's giving you with the line. With I'm still split. a massive underdog Take even taking the, the – the, over the course of the season, the five highest chance – and there'll be some that are 80%, some 65%, still massive underdog against the field to win the contest. Because I'm yeah. going to lose some of these 65% and I mean, bets. The real question is, what do you think, if you bet every, if you were forced to bet every game with God's line, I mean, that's interesting because you know who to bet every time. And you know, I said it was exactly correct. I'll write a number. Right? Write now, it. here's the question. I'll write a number. If we assume three of the 16 games are off enough to be battable. I'm going to say four, actually. Of side. Let me, I don't want to look yet to what you did. I, I didn't show you. All right, so four is going to be battable, and let's say those games are going to be at 56%. You know what I'm going to say? Is, I'm going to say 56, 56, 55, 55, four bets. And then I'll say uh, I'm just going to spread out the other 12. Say the other 12 ends up being 50 one and a half. I'm going to say 52 just for the sake of argument. Okay. So I'm thinking you're going to hit if you have to bet every game mm -hmm. that you're going to hit 53 and maybe 53-3. Okay. I went way higher. I went 55 and a half. And here's you why. You got to bet every game. Here's why. Because I've got God's lines. It's absolutely, he's aware of all these factors that the market's unaware of. So he knows about but players. How, but you think there's lines that are that should be six points different? Yes. Whoa. Like he's saying, like an, the injury of a status of a player we may look at as questionable or doubtful, but he, his line knows the truth of that injury, what God, it's really worth. God knows if a but quarterback went out. times that's going to mean anything. God knows if a quarterback went out Overmatch. and partied all, all, all night long. God knows if the defense in this one particular game is going to be, already has cracked the code and knows exactly what play is going to be called in the rare instance where this would occur well, hold on in that second. game. No, 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 no. He's saying this is what's going to split the action. Oh, I'm sorry, split the result over 10,000 reps. He's not right. talking about how the exact game's going to play. Well, he has to know that. To well, he, but he knows that, and he knows that every other kind of singularity of the different universe. I mean, he knows he it all. He knows no, the biorhythms. He, he knows, knows it all. What, all he knows is what the line should be. Mm. Right? I, I guess when I, I don't believe that there's – think about what you're saying now. Do you believe there's lines that are pick em that should be like minus eight? I'm not saying that the game couldn't end eight. I'm saying over 10,000 games, it's, the margin is going to be eight. It would be very rare. Like That's the, what I'm saying. The entire so how team do you get into flu? 55 and a half on every game? You know it's more than half the games are within a point. I don't think they're necessarily within a point. They're within a point within well, our yeah, universe. It's hard to get you to ever have a side, with, that's Because that's within our universe. It's lean, that, that's, lean. Wide, that's between what's widely available and what's real. What's real is that if you get to have all that information, like, well, like, look at AJ. He's already saying that the, the Duke should have been, should have been the uh, pick him against North Carolina or the underdog. Well, God knows about well, no, all no, that. No, no, no. He didn't say the underdog. Now you're making stuff up. Pick, right? 
He said maybe pick, maybe yep. one, not the underdog the other way. Yeah, all right. So what do you think? I mean, in basketball, what do you think the, let's say, amongst major programs, what do you think the line in, in – uh, if we said in, in 10 games, what's the most off line? Do you think there's a line that's off much more than three no, points? No, not more than a full possession. What would the line be North Carolina-St. Peter's if they played next week? North Carolina, 16. And it was eight. Yeah. That's a pretty good God line, getting to watch one. You know, do, now, now, now we got the memo because no, we got to NFL watch the game. But the NFL is different than, than NCAA's good corner. point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, I think there's undoubtedly some real bad lines in WNBA. Whatever mm-hmm. we see. Yeah. I'm, we're talking about the NFL, the most yeah. liquid market. But I do think that there's a lot of factors that never even make our – that we're just completely unaware of. That the team has food poisoning and just doesn't but even then, show up. I, I, but how many – but here's the thing. You bet in game almost every game. How often is the line in game way off from what? Now this is because you're getting to see all this stuff. Now, unless if there's a big injury in the middle of the game, mm-hmm. isn't the game? Isn't the quality of the teams pretty much assumed to be the same? What's complicated through the game? Well, but it's complicated. So how do you handle when the Atlanta Falcons are stomping all over San Francisco for a half? The evaluation of that's difficult. Is it because there's something clearly wrong with the, the 49ers, or is it because that's just random events of a half? What you're saying is if God had the in, if we had the insight of God, mm-hmm. that we would be seeing all this stuff that would mean some of these lines are way off. Yes. But when you get into the fourth quarter of these games, you've seen all this stuff in theory that God knew or that God knew ahead of time, not in theory. And most of the time, the line is going to be commensurate. Not that it's going to end the same, but if they thought one team was slightly better. That team is likely still considered slightly better. So whatever the scoring situation is, it's going to be that plus them being slightly mm-hmm. better. So all these scenarios that there's all this insight that God has that we wouldn't, we have it come the fourth quarter, most of it. And that's and that's why and live wagering is not is, often the lines that far off because we don't have enough of the data. Now now we got to like bet so on. We can watch the game, but we still don't know. We're not certain. God is. <laughs> I think you. I think you're tending to agree. Uh, with I. Th- me. I, I, I Directionally, yes, but I think your number's way too low for a god line at fifty-three percent. I think you got to go every game. I think you got to go fifty. How many games do you think are within one point? (sighs) Meaning what the line should be? Because I hear you crying about making picks all the time. For you and I and the and every human being, most oh God, of them, I screwed things up. Now it's for God, most aren't. Most are off by more than one point because He's got privy to parameters and information that you and I and the entire world I, does I, not I have. You're saying that like you're saying something deeply insightful. Right. Let me tell you something. <laughs> there may be people out there that disagree with me, but I think God knows more than we know. <laughs> is, I mean, is that what you're saying? Yes. Um, I, I will ask one more question. Assume you're right. Does it have any ramifications for teasers? For I mean, should we just assume that these lines, that the results aren't going to be as tight as we think they are and that there's advantage in alternative line? I mean, in a way, it seems like what you're saying has to have a ramification in our betting. It's already built into all the, the historical data and how often teams cover teasers and the like, you know, that, that inherent uh, volatility. Any closing thoughts, AJ? No, sir. Well, I got a little something for you guys. <laughs> okay. God knows you ain't pretty. God knows it's true. God knows there ain't anybody ever gonna take the place of you.
Thought you were quoting Dylan there. <laughs> he kept going, God knows. God knows. The tackles, hamstring. <laughs> That's a pretty hardcore line. The last one, he goes, God knows there ain't going to be no more water, but fire next time. Mm. That's pretty scary. <laughs> All right. And at the end of that song, it's one of those that they fade out early. Like I, they must have not liked something in the sound quality, uh-huh. but you can hear it. And at the end, he goes, God knows there's a river. God knows you can make it flow. God knows you ain't t- taking nothing with you when you go. And then, uh, and then the very last one goes, um, uh, how's it go? Give me one second to think. It's really good. It what goes, album is this from? Uh, it's uh, it's called Under the Red Sky, okay. which was the album after Oh Mercy, like in '89. Okay, this was his last album before of originals, and he took a six year hiatus, and then in '95 he came out with Time Out of Mind, which was his big oh. comeback. He won you know Grammys for it and everything. Um, but it goes, uh, I'll, I'll pull the lyrics up because uh, I just want to read the one. But it, it's interesting because Dylan had his religious period. Um, between 79 and 81 that was hardcore religious. Like, he he had a year and a half, he didn't play anything but religious songs. None of his old songs. And then he started to intermingle it, right? And then he went where he wasn't really singing very religiously, like, much about it. You know, he's Jewish, and then he had a, he was a born-again Christian. And, uh, but this was, like, six years later, and he obviously still was thinking about it. Uh, but one second. Yeah, I'm going to read these last three real quick. It says, God knows there's a river. God knows how to make it flow. God knows you ain't going to take nothing with you when you go. And it said, God knows there's a purpose. God knows there's a chance. God knows you can rise above the darkest hour of any circumstance. And then it's like fading way out. And it goes, God knows there's a heaven. God knows it's out of sight. God knows we can make it all the way from here to there, even if we've got to walk a million miles by candlelight. And it's just like way, you can hardly hear it. And it's like very profound, I think. Yeah. But it kind of makes, reminds me of the line in um, the song he did for Wonder Boys, uh, Things Have Changed. You know that song, right? Mm-hmm. He won the Oscar for yep. it. When he, in like the next last verse, he comes in and goes, if the Bible's right, the world's going to explode. <laughs> it's just like out of nowhere. It's like, like he's talking about girls. He's talking about... <laughs> hey, listen, it's not easy to be Bob Dylan. No. Okay. You guys did a little recording before I got here, and we got that after this, which I think it was about an hour, you said, huh? About an hour. And then next week we're going to be recording. I'm not sure what exactly we'll be doing. I'm reconsidering that NBA. I'll have good NBA stuff. I'm not sure Mackenzie will. So, I don't know. We had a bad little run here. <laughs> I mean, if you, maybe he's having degenerative hearing issues. I mean, that would suck for him. Um, or degenerate hearing issues. <laughs> like too much porn? <laughs> that's, like, a, that's a callback to yeah, it. <laughs> I got it. Okay, so, um, okay, so we're going to squeeze an extra best bet out of Fez. Now, this is in baseball. Now, in baseball, if you're doing season win totals, they don't let 
even one game go by, which makes sense, obviously, right? I mean, I guess it'd be nice for them to keep them up for a while and just adjust accordingly. But crazily, they don't do that. Most books now, I guess maybe, what was that? DraftKings was doing that for a while? They were. And that was um, a real opportunity. It'd be so difficult to have to price this, you know, each and every day. Why are you saying that it's it's like in the past tense? Did they stop doing it? They stopped doing it in other sports. So we'll see if they're going to do it for baseball this year. I think a minimum they should, or books should do it through the first weekend because it's pretty easy to adjust. I, I agree. Um... But you got, but the Yankees, you're playing them under. They are postponed for Thursday, so they don't play till Friday. So you have time to get this in. Now, obviously, with the Yankees, there's like an extreme love for the Yankees. That's the easy part. You're going to default at least to lean that way. But there's an addition, there's a lot of love for them, overvalued, et cetera. But you've got an additional reason you like under with the Yankees. Yes. And if you look at their division, I am convinced that the Blue Jays, Toronto, is, based upon everything that I've read from the experts, this is a team that absolutely should be not just the favorite, but the prohibitive favorite to win this division. The so why not play division? Why not be pro—I mean, in a way, you're using by once removed the Blue Jays being good. What are the division odds here? The—I don't have them from— You want to try to pull those up as you're—so explain—before we finalize the exact pick— Explain why you like the Blue Jays so much. I mean, like, what, what do you think it is that makes them? Um, uh, un- you think they're underrated? I guess in the massively question. underrated for two reasons. The number one reason is last year. Here's a team that was basically nomadic. So they played some of their games in Buffalo. They played some of their games in Florida. Mm-hmm. They that's pl- been for a couple of years, right? Yes. Yeah, so they've been away from home now for two years. And now they get to play in the Rogers Center where they should have a massive um, home field advantage because they're finally coming home. Not to mention to play in that stadium, you're going to have to be vaxxed. So there's going to be some teams that are going to be compromised that come to Toronto because of that. Now, that is fascinating. Now, let's think about that. No, don't. don't uh, did you look at that? Top two. Top two only. Okay. No, it's no one's fault. I just wanted you to guess. So what would you have guessed the Blue Jays' odds were in the East? That, that they would be comparable to the Yankees. Okay. Very close to each other. Because their season win numbers are close to each other. They were both right around 92. The late money's been coming a little bit on Toronto, even more, and a little bit against the Yankees. So what I'm seeing is Blue Jays plus 165, Yankees plus 235. So quite a difference. And that's a recent move because, like I said, these two teams had just about the same season win numbers. And money's flowing on the on the Blue Jays because everyone loves their lineup. They love their circumstances from last year, the improvement. I think they won 90 or 90 won games last year despite being nomadic they should be better this year they're not only is their personnel better but their situation is way better yeah and i think so they have a new stadium no it's the same stadium they just haven't been there forever so why would the home field other now i understand the idea canada at least for now we don't know how long canada is going to have these um more rigid uh, vaccine requirements, but there's no guarantee it's going to be the whole baseball season, right? No guarantee. But you're saying all. as long as it is, there's going to be some teams that that's a disruption for that they might have players that don't meet that criteria. Thus, you're eliminating somehow your home field eliminates some of the opponents. That's good for your chance of winning. Also, it's almost like if a team played with two pound weights on their ankles, however they did, 
you'd say they're better than that. Well, to whatever degree, all these road games, not having a true home, it was like this drag on their general performance. Exactly right. So I would expect that all things being equal, every one of their players is going to perform better this well, year. Well, not everyone. Them on average. Yeah. Aggregate. Well said. Yes. Okay. It's better. So, but the markets tend to agree with you now. That's right. So why not go over? Couldn't this be a half year? Why not go over Blue Jays under Yankees? And there's a chance you might... You know, even if the Yankees go over, Blue Jays might exceed it even more. You know, I've had so much success playing unders in terms of my season wins all sports because of the implicit bias, you know, too high in the aggregate on all the teams. And this is true even in baseball. But in baseball, we can add, we don't have to even guess, right? We can add up the numbers, right? I, and I have done that here. Okay. So the, this is interesting. Based upon today's numbers, that the three sharpest books, mm-hmm. okay? This, this is cir- good. Circa, this is good work. Westgate, MGM, mm-hmm. 82.8. Two at Circa. They take $5,000 bets. Mm-hmm. 82.12 at the Westgate. 82.2 at MGM. So a fifth of a game. Uh, correct. But there, but this all assumes 162 games are played. There's a condensed schedule. They play until October 5th this year. So there's a little bit more of a chance um, if there's really bad weather and rainouts that some of these teams could miss a but game. But how many too. games does have to be played for it to be a bet? At Circa, only 150. At most of the other joints, 160. Okay, so they're allowing for two missed games. Well, most places miss- two, but circa 12. Okay, so let's think about this a second. 162 means you played them all. 161 means you missed one. 160 means you missed two. So they can miss two games at everywhere but circa. Okay, now the question is what's going to be the – if they miss more than that, no bet. So it's a non-issue. They hold your money. So – the question is, what percentage of teams do you think will have at least one missed game? I think probably 25%. That might be a little high. 20%. Let me go 20. All right. And the missed game, on average, would be half a win. Yes. And you're saying 20% of half a win, so that's going to be a tenth of a win. And more for a team like the Yankees because they win mm-hmm. close to 60% mm-hmm. of the games. So call it 0.6 of a win they'll lose if they lose a game. So you're saying we got a 0.2 or so because of the bias towards the over. We're going to edge a 0.2 on the under. You're saying almost a 0.2 based upon, at least for the Yankees, based upon they could miss some games and it would push it under. Let's double back for a second think of Circa. Now, Circa is juiced to the over more. Yes. But they should have more of a drag downward. Exactly. That's what I found fascinating because the Circa I was actually projecting would be below 81 because you never know. Below 81. Yes. Because you're saying they're 82.2. 81.2. I'm sorry, 81.2. Yes, because there could be a— it's split No, there could be a COVID outbreak. Well, obviously. A team could lose seven games. In theory, there's a range of five additional— Expected losses of ten games that, that from from uh, uh, from one sixty to one fifty is mm. all a free roll if you like the under at Circa. That's right, but they have higher numbers in general. They do so. Bet unders at Circa is should be your you mantra. Know, if it's a tie, if it's tie, if it's a half a game, you still go with the other. Pleasure. I agree with that. But if it's the same number, you bet the all the unders at Circa. What do you think, AJ? I think it's pretty smart. I'm not sure that it would. I wonder how smart it would be. Here's the question. If you bet uh, every under a circa and then you shop the entire world for the overs to 
are, you're, you know, now you're going to have some negative EV in mm. theory. But in theory, you could do half a scoop, right? So yes. in, in any game, teams that went under 160, one, you're going to win. In theory, you're going to win this. I mean, we don't know if you're going to win the circuit, but you're going to be in a great position in the circuit naked because the other one is going to be invalidated, the over, wherever else it is. Right. You think you can get to positive there? Not if you play every team, but you don't have to play every team. I mm -hmm. think what you can do, I'll use an example. Mm -hmm. Circa had Milwaukee at 92, all right? So I played, I bombed under 92 at Circa. There were 89 and halves out there at other books. Think how good that is. I'm so playing. did you play the middle? Yeah, I mm -hmm. played that because I'm, I'm, I, I mean, there's a chance, you know, you know, certainly I can just steal that 92 by Milwaukee missing, you know, a few games at Circa. Let's say they missed four games. Well, I'm not going to win my over at my other joints. Well, I'm not going to lose it either. Money back, yeah. I get my money back on the refund if they only played 158 games. Now, Circa gets a lot of credit for being really sharp, at least ambitious. They feel themselves to be sharp enough to put out some, you know, world openers. They do ambitious things. I'm not in any way questioning that. Does it tell you something about the clientele that the, the betting – Maybe the clientele isn't as sharp as we might think because they they bet these, you know, I don't know what the openers were, but they've been bet up to the point there's such a premium on the over, even though the rules say this is the place to play the under. Yes, and I don't think that the clientele is paying nearly enough attention to this a requirement in terms of how many games need to be played for there to be action. They're just looking to play their team. And you know what? Circa has $5,000 limits. Everyone else has $2,000 limits. So all the whales and the high bettors, along with the sharps, are going to want to bet at Circa where they're not limited nearly as much. Okay, which brings up an interesting point then. If you're, what you're saying is, hey, this circumstance and that circumstance lends itself to the sharps betting at Circa, but that means there'd be more money being bet on the unders because if they're sharp, they're not betting overs there. Exactly. But it's not but happening. it's not happening. So what was your point? If anything, you what you just said contradicted everything else we I know. I think there might be more, there might be some public money that, that has recognized Circa takes really big limits. And, you know, frankly, I don't know how much... You mean like the guy that owns a 7-Eleven in Jersey kind of thing? That owns a bunch of 7-Elevens in Jersey. Um, this is your wake-up call, pal. Go to work. So get to Circa before Thursday's <laughs> first pitch. I think and remember, even the, even the, there's a whole bunch of sharp betting syndicates that avoid these season win bets because it's a pain in the ass accounting wise. I'm going through this now. Yeah, with the I, I think season, I think that, that you have to carry it I, on your books for. Six I think months. that's one to retire. I think that's one to mm, retire. Uh, maybe so. Maybe it's my own. I mean, I think I think the five thousand probably, and they could get what four cracks at it. Yeah, I think the twenty is worth doing the books. Probably. I think uh, I don't know. You can go to Upwork. I think it's called, or and get the books done pretty cheap. All right. <laughs> you know, good Fred, point. He's got some good ones. He's retired a few that I appreciate. That I think we should do a ceremonial retirement. I, I'm 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 a okay with that. One more point on but the game. You know, actually, you're gonna have to expect. So your rationale is that, okay, there's six or eight people in this group. They don't really want to bet 5000 on the under because it's too much trouble to write it down and then cash the ticket if they win. Accounting-wise, it's messy because you have to carry it on their pendings for for six freaking months into football season. It's a pain. It, 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 when you start doing these reconciliations when you say weekly, carry it. You mean literally just it's a it's a line on on a on a sheet that doesn't get touched. Yes. But do they do that with NFL win totals? Same thing. Yeah. 
but he believes they don't bet those. But remember, Malinsky, RIP, when he said, oh, I don't bet the early lines because I don't want to give it away, you were scoffing at him, but he worked for Billy. So that's yeah. confusing. Billy doesn't want to tip his hand. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing on this Yankees right. under 91 and a half. I really like the fact also that you've got within that division, you got the Red Sox that have, you know, historically been very good. They're at 85 and a half, and you got Tampa, who's always seems to overachieve, and they're at 89. So you got three legitimate contending teams within their division as well. Strong strength of schedule. Tough strength of schedule in that division. But you like Toronto over. Because they're absolutely loaded. Okay, so right now, what is your official bet? New York Yankees under 91 and a half season wins. Okay, stay tuned. Now, first, we're going to give you Dave Esler. He has, what's Esler got? Baseball win total? Yes, a baseball win total. And we're going to listen to that. And then when we come back, well, there's a treat. Here we go. Dave Esler. I bet the Colorado Rockies over 69 and a half wins. And with that said, no, no, I do not think they are a good team. But as a bad team last year, they won 48 home games. So if they did that again this year, I need them to win 22 road games, 22 out of 81, or win 21% of their road games. I'm well aware that Trevor Story's gone, but he hit 251 with 24 home runs last year, not elite, and his worst year in the bigs. They had Chris Bryant and Randall Greichuk both of whom will have career years in Coors Field. Their starting pitching is not the worst in the league. Marquez, Freeland, Gomber, and Sensatella are all capable. Alex Colomb, the closer, is far from terrible. I mean, the guy's got a 1.21 lifetime whip, better than what they've had in years. And yes, they're in a division with the Dodgers. But I'm not as high on the Padres as some, especially with Tatis out for a while. I think Posey retiring is going to hurt the Giants' pitching staff more than their offense. So I think this win total is total perception. Reality is, even with a 92-loss season, I'm still going to cash this ticket. Rockies over, 69.5 wins. All right, Diamond Dave. I don't know. Diamond Dave, he's made me a lot of money. I think this is a good pick. No, but what I'm saying is I, re I heard today that Milwaukee clinched. Yeah, they did. And it just made my stomach <laughs> seize. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Brewers. No, the Bucks. The Bucks, they seized. <laughs> I, I mean, because I went with Diamond Dave against McKenzie. I mean, you want to talk? I mean, I was spending that money. <laughs> and it was just, it was like, it was like, it was like they knew the score before the game started. <laughs> but you know what? In a weird way, Dave Esther being that wrong makes you appreciate when he's that right. All right, coming up, these boys, when they were waiting for me, what'd you talk? You talked a little baseball? We, we talked baseball? a little MLB strategy, mm -hmm. uh, correlation. Did you add a lot to that? No, I, I, I was the student, okay, certainly. Okay, okay, standing for the audience. That's right, and uh, then we talked some USFL. Okay, Fez loves those off leagues. Loves it, and then we, uh, we talked uh, UFC 273 this weekend. Did he talk about his guys' numbers yet? No. My, my guy's giving me the numbers on Tuesday. AJ shined on the, the the highlight of this was the Russians are getting screwed in the judging. That was your position. Are you a Putin apologist? Nope. <laughs> what judging are we talking about? 
when the Russian fighters have gone to a decision, Ooh. the judgments have not. Oh, in UFC. In UFC. I like this. The judgments yeah, have I not always gone that. their way. I like when geopolitical, you know, death and destruction leads to a 10 cent edge in exactly. a UFC bet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of people would question that. And to that, I would simply say, you sound like a fucking hippie. All right, here it comes, boys. Talk to you next week. All right, let's talk some baseball. I am a timid baseball better. I I've uh, I used to do it all the time. I've I've got off the sauce, as they say. You've got some ideas that it, I don't know if you're trying to get me back on that on that wagon. I don't want to be on it, but if you're if you're trying to get me back on, you can at least help me out. What do we got? So baseball is very interesting in that no one ever really talks in baseball about correlation. We do a lot with the mainstream sports, football. The extreme examples were like, hmm, I'm going to lay college football. I'm going to play the Buckeyes minus 22. Let me parlay that to over 55. Sure. Nice, obvious correlation, clean. And some books let you do it. Some books let you do it to a small extent. Other books don't. I love that you secretly just implied that baseball is not a mainstream sport. You know, that, I, I believe that. Actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Right, let me, I, I understand that after the 162 <laughs> games that it adds up in terms of what the handle will be. Sure. But if you asked me, that, you know, that'd be fascinating. NFL's king. NFL won. Sure. College football, too. Absolutely. Uh, NBA, three. Yep. College basketball, four. By game? No. By just, just over the course of the season, you know, in terms of what they, the overall handle over the course of a season would be. I'd say college basketball, four. That's interesting. I, I think college basketball and baseball would be close. That would that'd be fascinating to see the numbers. Yeah. Maybe, you know, you, I'm confident college basketball would be better. So many more games, even though the season's shorter. Right, but there's so many games between, you know, Loyola, Marymount, and Pacific that nobody's betting on. They are if it's the, if, if it's the only game on TV, on ESPN on Tuesday night. Maction Wednesday Fair. night. Yeah. College football. Sure. Which gets more. Uh, World Series, game two, or a Maction Wednesday night. I'd say the World Series, but only by maybe a factor I, or two. Yeah, not by a lot. Double? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, football, period. Like, let's, let's, football's in a different world. I don't need to bet the damn Mets game. I don't care if it's Game <laughs> 7 of the World Series, but i got to get down on Akron. Yeah. You right? Yeah. Um, and then, you're right, baseball has to slide in a five, and then hockey six, and then do we, you know what? Is, is golf or tennis seven? Or is UFC seven? I was gonna say fight sports in general. I, like if you pool Ooh. UFC and boxing, there it's probably bigger than you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's some big, really especially big if you too. did a bot like by event. Mm-hmm. Like so, if you divide it up by games it's or a by great event, point. And it's always just on a Saturday night, and there might not be one for three weeks. But if it was just for like a UFC card on a Saturday night, I think that would ease, that would smash the baseball. A UFC pay per view, oh, yeah. smashes base, uh, smashes NBA probably right for a given day. Yes. So, yeah, it's, I mean, but so baseball is not, it's still a mainstream sport. It's just not a heavily bet on sport relatively to. I, I would say it probably, I still give it, you know, very much the um, the advantage over, over the NHL. But what's interesting to me is that come playoffs, the NHL in the, in the months of April and May. People I, love it. I'd say the NHL is much more popular. My baseball. Yeah. Yep. Playoff hockey and, and, and all that. Okay. Baseball has a correlation. A pretty significant correlation. Specifically, the way that it's designed is that if the home team wins, 
It doesn't go extra innings. It's only eight and a half innings. If the road team wins, it has to go nine innings. So it sounds like that not that much of a significant difference, but it's a one eighteenth difference in terms of half innings played, such that there's a natural correlation between the road team and the over. So whenever you're playing an over, you want to think, boy, do I like the road team? And then it makes sense oftentimes to put those two together. What also makes sense just in pretty much every sport is a big favorite to the over. That if you told me there were 23 runs scored and the Cincinnati Reds were playing the New York Yankees intra-league game, I think I like the Yankees. Yeah. You know, they're more likely to be the team that put up 15 to get get us there. So the problem is when the Yankees are hosting the Reds, well, the Yankees clobber the Reds. So there's probably, there's certainly a correlation favorite to over, but then I don't get that bottom of the ninth. So I kind of get rooked out of an at bat. No, that makes sense. But when the Yankees are at the Reds, see, that's when you love it. That's the sweet spot. So I get the minus 200 road favorite, totals 10.5. And if the Yankees win, it's more likely to go over, and the hapless Reds get to bat at the bottom of the ninth. And you know what? Maybe it's eight to two when they come to bat. Maybe I steal my over in the bottom of the ninth. And you know, it's another nice thing. Let's say you've got a low-scoring game. It's like seven and a half. If we're even going to see seven, we'll see seven halves. Of course, we will. We'll see sevens. We'll see six and a halves if Degrom pitches ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but um, let's say you've got a road favor like minus one eighty, and a total seven and a half. And it's 3-3 going into extra innings. You can you see where I'm going here. Yeah. The road team can win 8-4. to four. The home team, if they win, hey, there's a there's a solid chance. It, it, it could end 4-3. You could still get your under. Yep. If the home team wins it's in extra innings, it's probably going to be a lot lower scoring than the road team. Sure. Especially, Mackenzie, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm 95% sure. They're still going to start with the man on second this year in the extra innings. I believe they changed that next year. Um, can can you confirm that? Is that true? I thought they got rid of it. Yeah, let me double check. I thought they got rid of it too. They were going to get rid of it, and then they decided they couldn't agree on terms, so they the season got um, delayed, and so it's a condensed schedule. And I think because of the condensed schedule this year, they said, "Oh, we got to keep this rule because our bullpens are going to get fried because of the condensed schedule. There's fewer days off than ever again." Yeah, it says here uh, the it. The MLB is stuck with awful ghost runner rule in extra innings for 2022. Uh, so that was one of the things that they could not eliminate. Baseball fans, it says, celebrated too soon. It's staying for at least one more season. So you're right. But you know what? It, it harkens all of us back to our childhood when we were playing wiffle ball, and we loved the ghost man when you're playing you know, three against three and there just weren't enough sure. runners. And, but in Major League Baseball, we don't need that. Yes, but it, but it doesn't it doesn't bring a smile to your face when you're just playing with your buddy in the backyard. You know? Yeah, those like, are good times. Ghost, sure. ghost men on second and third, you know, and the like, so... That was that correlation idea is brilliant. Uh, so I, I think that's I, some of the stuff that I, I think makes you invaluable is thinking about things on that level. It's something I would I would have certainly never thought of. There are a few books that don't allow it. There are a few books that take it, but with a limited amount. And there are some books that take it unlimited. You know, it's still very much God bless the them. Now, what the books are wise to, and everyone knows about, is the the, the run line correlation, which is even better. That if you can, you used to be able to. I'm old enough to remember there were some places you could lay one and a half to the over. The Yankees, you know, at the Reds, and the same thing was true. Certainly, you wanted to play the visiting team minus the one and a half to the over, and that was even better. But that pretty much, that one has 
has died. You, it's a dinosaur. You you can't find. You know, one thing that you can find if you do want to play that home team, like the Yankees are home against the Reds. I'm picking on my Reds. I don't know why I did. But I just thought of a team that sucks. I noticed they were the first team you crossed off on your unders sheet uh, when when you sat down to start jacking with. Yeah, them. I'm about to put in my 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 Westgate has an an NFL excuse me an MLB season win contest. The deadline is tomorrow morning. So by the time I don't know if, if by the time you're listening to this, it's too late. I'm sorry, I suck. I should have told you last week, but uh, it's a nice, fun little contest, two hundred dollars each. I'm going to go down there. We're taping Wednesday night and put in my picks. And just to make the sausage a little bit, um, I'm going to have three entries this year, and I'm going to go ahead and um, I've got my teams. I absolutely am going to play under, including like the Washington Nationals under seventy-one half, including the Reds, including the Reds. I'll put that on my every yes. I'll have teams. I absolutely am going over. Uh, the Marlins at 74 and a half. By all accounts, the pitching is outstanding for uh, that team. Brewers over 89 and a half will be on all my entries. And the Twins over 80 and a half. So those three are going to be my over teams. And then the other ones, I'll probably mix and match. And I've got like nine unders that I'm going to play, including the A's. And then I'm going to play, I'll just randomize it. I'll say two-thirds of them, I'll, I'll probably look towards the unders. So... The Red Sox, I'll probably have a couple, two entries with the Red Sox under 84 and a half and one entry with them over 84 and a half, just because I can't have the same entry on all three. I've got to somewhat randomize it to give me a better chance to win because it's so top heavy. Sure. Um, I'm really trying to win the thing and not have three um, identical entries, although based upon the guy that was in Circuit Williams last year, he'll probably submit three identical <laughs> items and try to win first, second, and third prize. And end up with not first. That's that's what ha- what happened. Lesson learned. Now, Lesson you, learned. Now back to the correlations. The first five innings, and some places take these, some places don't. But that Yankees are hosting the Reds. You know the first five inning parlay: Yankees um, minus the one ninety to the Yankees game to go over five and a half, for instance, for the first five inning total is good because now you get your for your full five innings. You're not going to get short shortened by not getting the bat in the bottom of the ninth. So that's a good way to go to try to get at, especially if you hate the the visiting team's pitcher and he's just a tomato can and you think the Yankees are going to destroy Castillo because he sucks this year for whatever reason. Um, that was last year. We'll see how he pitches this year. Um, then that would be something you could absolutely consider doing with a correlation. And while we are on MLB, uh, we've got a, an offer for you. MLB 25. That's what you do. You go, you use that coupon, and you get 25% off through the 30th of this month, one use only. So any season-long package, whatever you want to get into, 25% off with the code MLB25. And we've got some good guys here at, at pregame who have done really well. Uh, I'll, I'll give you some of the top guys from last year. Ben Burns was just under 30 units plus units last year. Greg Shaker, just over 40 units. Andre Gomes, plus 122 in the MLB last year. So just killed Major League Baseball. So you can get any of those guys. You can get Fezzik. You can get any of the any of the guys who do baseball. You know, I'm a huge believer. The guy that did the best is the guy you should buy. The yeah. fact that, that, that Andre did so well last year and was over 100 units, he is deserving. If you're only going to buy one person, buy the person that did the best. And you can get him for 25% off through April 30th with the promo code MLB25. That's mlb 2 Five. So there you go. All right, let's transition from baseball into America's other pastime, 
the USFL, America's greatest pastime, the Houston Gamblers. So some people spend their time away just soaking up rays, watching sports, playing sports, um, going to the beach. Me, I'm going to spend some time reading about the eight USFL teams. And what I love about that, there's only eight of them. There's none of them located on the West. You know, they're all geographically fairly close together, which is actually bad because there's not going to be any horrible road trips. It's almost like dealing, like handicapping that. It's almost like if you said, I'm going to specialize in Conference A. It is. It's, I like, mean, there's, it's like there's there is one conference. With uh, a like Northern, a college conference, not like AFC, NFC. Like a, we yeah. got one college conference with a four, te- a four, a four Northern teams and four Southern teams. Yeah, it's, not, it's like the, the Big 12 now. But the beauty, and we, spoke, we speak all the time about volatility, all right, and unpredictability. And th- these lines are going to be very unpredictable. It's unclear who the good coaches are. Is Kevin Sumlin a good coach? I don't know. I've seen him be good. I've seen him be really bad. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Probably that's, that, 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 that is AJ's speak for he's probably going to be really bad, but we, we will see. Um, one thing for sure, uh, there's going to be opportunities because you're going to see some huge line moves on the sides, huge line moves on the totals, and there's going to be narratives going in that may or may not be correct. Obviously, the team just had their draft. You didn't catch any of the... I caught none of the draft, unfortunately. Me, me either. Uh, so you've got uh, new new faces and new places, and a lot of those faces, no one knows who the heck these people are. And they're going to try to put a team together, and it's going to be— It's almost like a movie. Yeah, like the—what um, what, what was— They're like an expansion draft. I, I don't know. It just feels like— The replacements? Well, yeah, the they, replacements. Let's just put something together. Let's throw something together. Yes, with the really pretty cheerleader and the yes. flaky quarterback. That's and, it. Um, I, I tell you this. My historically, like I've studied the NFL for, and, and won in the NFL for 30 years. My winning rate in the NFL can't hold a candle to how I do. If you slap any like expansion, you know, slapdick football league that they put together, because the numbers are just all wrong. And if you know what you're doing and you know general guidelines in terms of things to look for, you can make a whole lot of money identifying lines that are wrong. And also, it's in the NFL, a non-quarterback is worth at most one and a quarter points. That is not the case in a league like this, where all of a sudden um, you, you get a Heisman Trophy type guy on one of these teams. He makes a big difference because there just aren't speed demons and speed burners that aren't playing in the NFL that, that abound in terms of playmakers. But, I mean, how many of these guys, because everybody who was going to be that went to the NFL, right? Yes. So now we're talking about, guy, like, when you say Heisman-type guys, is there any of those guys? Like, who are we talking about? Oh, exactly? sure. We just don't know who they're going to be. Oh, I assure you, there will be the knucklehead that couldn't go to school in college and was deemed untouchable in the NFL draft for various behavioral problems, but the kid can play football. And you will see some emergences of people that you've never heard of before that were highly sought-after recruits that just never panned out in college. There will be at least a few of those that will become stars, and he'll, they'll go from he hate me to being a star in the league. Okay. Classic, classic reference, XFL. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, one of the guys that I one of the guys whose names I recognize was Johnny Dixon, who was a wide receiver at Ohio State. Was basically he was a, a receiver when when they were just loaded at receiver, so he mm-hmm. didn't play at all. I shouldn't say at all. He played sparingly until his senior year, and had a good senior year. But he was like a you know a second round wide receiver taken. For them, I was like, "Oh boy, that's like it's just funny that you guys that you barely saw are now this is this is the guy we're building our franchise around here." So I, I think you're right. Like if the, if you hit on one of those guys, it's going to be a big deal. I know they changed the kickoff where the um, to avoid the high speed collisions where um, the teams you know lined up next to each other and they kick off. Right. And there was a. An expectation in terms of you know what, how that would result and and the like and in these leagues that, that um, in general there just there aren't very many punt returns. No, you know, that I, I that what I said was correct on kickoffs, but on punts I think they have a rule that the um, the the are there can't be too many guys downfield on punts to avoid these high speed collisions if possible, you know, or um, or to minimize them. Right. And there was a concern by doing that that there'd be a whole lot of punt returns, but you know what? When Tyreek Hill returns punts, there can be touchdowns because he can run faster than everyone else. And it's almost like, um, eh, what was the TV show that showed the, the um, week by week a football team? And there was a running back that ran a four four, and he says, "I'm only no, he ran yeah, he ran a four four four, and he's like, I'm only a tenth of a second slower than the four three four guy." And the coach gave him. The click, he's, he says, yep. one, one-tenth of a second. You know, it is. That, That's and, a scene from any given Sunday. And, oh, that's and, Yeah, so it's like all the difference in the world, that tenth of a second, it's like you're either tackling dude or he's past you, and so no one can return a punt for a touchdown because no one can run a 4-3-4, and enough other guys can run 4-6s with the angles that they have that they can catch the 4-4-4 guy. Or if these guys run a 4-3-4, they probably signed up from a track team because they weren't a football player or weren't a good football player. Yes, or they're John Ross and they can't. They got stone Rock hands, hands. yeah, <laughs> and something like that. Exactly, a 4-2-8 or whatever he ran. So you see the USFL as sort of a you, – you're going to get – you're, are you going to get more out of the USFL early than late? Like yes, it, yes. I, but the one thing that really makes me excited is that apparently NBC and either CBS or ABC, I think it's CBS, are both going to simulcast this thing. This is going to be big. It's going to be on prime time. They're going to put live wagering up on this sucker. I mean, you're going to see all the books you know that are eager for action, and live wagering is such a profitable thing that I can only imagine what we're going to see in terms of lines getting put up. and Because the NFL model may not necessarily work. The overtime formats are different. Um, the rules are different. Uh, there's two forward passes are allowed. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. So you throw a screen pass. Um, it's basically a different sport than you football. You throw a pass to Wycheck, he can go ahead and set up shop and look downfield. This is a different game than football. Uh, uh, like, no, it's the, it's the same. It's just tweaked. Um, two forward passes is not football. We, that we, we used to play with that in Northwestern. I mean, you can't do two. You, once you pass the line of scrimmage, you can't throw another one. You, okay. you have to be behind the line of scrimmage. Okay. You know? um, so it's blitz rules, pretty much. Blitz the video game where there's no yeah. penalties and you can throw twice. <laughs> um, but should you chuck the ball deep downfield to an open receiver who's interfered with, it's only a 15-yard penalty. Unless it's intentional and then it's a spot foul. Interesting. Okay? A rule change that I understand it, it's, it's difficult What's an intentional foul? 
I tell you what, no intentional. It's just like college college basketball, where they've got to decide if it's a flop. Like you know, it's right, it's a right. judgment but, call. I mean, but they have intentional fouls in college basketball. So you know what an intentional foul is? That's where a dude loses one of his ten fingers. Otherwise, it's just a foul. Just a, that's just. <laughs> hey, that's that's a hard play, Bubba. <laughs> if, if 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 there's no blood, it's not intentional. That's a football play right there. Meanwhile, his head's rolled off to the side. It's just. It's, <laughs> By Terrible, the way, tragic accident. Uh, so, so, so the bottom line is, obviously, double pass helps the offense. 15-yard PI helps the defense. All things being equal, uh, and I'm still putting all this together, but I'm going to go to McKenzie here. And if he gets this wrong, he's 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 getting his mic turned off because RJ's <laughs> uh, RJ would turn it off. Um, all things being equal, I have no idea what they're going to deal as far as totals on these games. I have no idea what the scoring is actually going to be. Gun to my head, first game of the year. The league just drafted their players six weeks ago. Am I going to bet, or maybe it's seven weeks ago, am I going to go over or under if I have to make a play? You're going to go under. They're going to set it too high because they're expecting casual money to just flood to the over. You are correct. And I think it's not necessarily just the casual money. It's just the fact of the the pieces don't sum to the number. So if you look at the offense and you look at the defense and you try to figure out who's going to have the advantage, you know, and this used to happen in all-star games all the time where the, the totals were always way too high because the offenses could never move and then they had to change all the rules and you couldn't blitz and, you know, the offense was allowed to play with 15 players. No, they didn't go that extreme. <laughs> but but but, but remember those, all those games where for a while it was like 10-7 when they, yeah. the North would play the South and the well, the South would always win 17-3. to three and yep. They had to annex some states. They had to be like move Tennessee into the North or whatever to make <laughs> it fair. But the, um, the, the bottom line is that Offense is timing and team and players getting used to each other. And that's in a brand new league, new quarterback, never work with the receivers, new coaches. Wow, is this going to be difficult for in, in any league? So that's what inevitably we see that. And in, in fact, going back to the XFL days, I remember when they touted how with the rules that there was going to be outstanding scoring and they were making everything with the clock rules and such that this was going to be one of the highest scoring leagues and the totals opened like 50 and the betters knew better, and they closed around 40, and yeah. every game went under the op- the opening numbers. McKenzie, I think this uh, – you may be too young – or too – yeah, too young to remember this. Do you remember a game uh, called Mutant League Football? I do not know. I think that may be what it resembles. Mutant League Football was on Sega Genesis, and this was like the early 90s. And basically, you were it was a bunch of robots and trolls and <laughs> cyborg teams, skeletons. There was a team uh, – there was a guy named Bones Jackson – Bones. And, yeah, it couldn't be Bo Jackson. That would be a cop. Uh, you know, right. they'd have to pay him. Uh, there was Scary Ice instead of Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, Joe I think, Magician. Was Joe, Joe Magician. Montana's that's <laughs> right. Yeah, I think we're going to see a game kind of like that, where the the Death Skin Razors are taking on the Dark Star Dragons or something like that. I, that's what the USFL is going to be like. I think the um, deaths on the field are going to be lauded. <laughs> I I also you know what. Football can be glorious in the fall with the weather. Oh, yeah. But spring, spring can carry with it some really unpleasant weather. And That's I true. love bad weather. So a little, little um, uh, torrential uh, downpour in Birmingham could go a long way. And remember, these are not, um, these are not NFL state-of-the-art big-budget um, teams that are going to have the very best, like we're 
we're taping during Masters Week. Boy, that grounds crew, you know, they can, they can overcome some rain. Oh, sure. Some much rain much might... better than your uh, your local Muni. I, 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 do not, <laughs> I do not believe I, uh, that the Birmingham facilities are going to be able to stand up to three inches, a three-inch downpour like Augusta can. Do you have a, like, just based on what you've seen of drafts or of the, like, the coaches they hire, do you have an early season favorite for USFL? I just went eleven and three in the big dance. I, I am. You haven't looked yet. I. You know what? I am become an, a very isolated handicapper, which makes my clients happy when I am. I, I am handicapping the sport that they have purchased from me because they win. It makes my other clients unhappy because they're not getting any volume. But you know what? I'm not going to just swing five hundred. I'm not going to just just throw up crap sure. and guess. And so my, my, my MBA, like year-to-date, very small volume. I'm at 60%, but very small volume because I just haven't given out very many plays because it's just so damn hard to do it right. And I'll use an example. I was so dialed in in, in college basketball. They, well, you get my plays. Sure. How often would you see me give out a play and the number move against me? I didn't. I mean, it was it was really rare. There was one time the Creighton San Diego State total. I went under 120 and a half, and I, I think it closed a point higher. And I ultimately lost that one, but that was like the only one I think. That... I lost that one even without your help. So yeah, that was, that was like the. I'm... I didn't blame a number move on that. But but literally, I would be like, I I just felt so dialed in where I, I would see a number move and I'd be like, that that can't be right. You know, that's gonna it's gonna go the other way now, and because I was dialed in on what was going on with all the teams and even with North Carolina, I said if Baycott plays, we we gotta grab four and a half. That I mean. That was what the look headline was, and North Carolina just beat Duke. They're going to get a bump up, and Kansas did nothing that was impressive against Villanova. Villanova just was terrible. Um, and so ultimately, if there was one piece of advice I would give everyone, just specialize and follow one sport and go even further. Like you said, not just follow one sport. And Everyone gets furious when I tell them this. Don't follow the goddamn NL and AL in baseball. That's Pick 30 one. Teams. Specialize. Pick one. They're like, but what when the, what happens when the Reds just play play the, the the Yankees? Your example, I'm like, okay, don't bet that game. Just bet either the AL or the NL, and not only that, just bet the NL and specialize in one of the three divisions and learn everything you can. And you know, go even further. Like, f- have a forced bet, like on, on on one team, take the Cubs, the Reds, whatever, and literally. You got to have a force bet on that game. You got to look at the box score on that game. If you just follow one team, I'm convinced. I, if you told me, oh, I only followed one team all year long, I made best bets and I lost, I don't believe you. I mean, be, be, because you would never, you would pick up on things no one else is noticing, you know, in terms of, you know, a pitcher that has struggled all year all of a sudden starts to turn the corner and you, and you're, you're on top of it because that's the only team you're following. So you know, when a guy suddenly has a sore shoulder, something's wrong, and there's getting all kinds of hard contact when he's facing, you know, a freaking bad team, and he and he's home, and it should never happen. All right, I wanted to get into some UFC stuff, and there is a massive card coming up this weekend, UFC 273. There are two title fights. Where is it? Uh, at Vistar Veterans Memorial in Jacksonville, Florida, I believe. And where is that? Uh, it is. I can't find Jacksonville <laughs> the, on the on the. I want to say it's the map. east coast of Florida. <laughs> well, that uh, it down. Northeast coast. Yeah. 
almost Georgia. Like when you think so of Jacksonville, it's in Jacksonville. It's in Jacksonville. Uh, when you when you think of Florida and you think of like beaches and stuff like that, stop. That's not Jacksonville. Well, I mean Jacksonville does have a beach, but what you really need to think about is like the part of the country where you think of people as hillbillies and rednecks. Well, that's 80%. It, Jacksonville's in that 80%. Every every single person in West Virginia other than those who live at the Greenbrier are offended by that now. Yes. Because you're like really poaching on their territory. Right? That's okay. Yes. That's okay. Uh, but there are two title fights and another fight with one of the, the biggest prospects in the whole wide world fighting who... I'm going to give you a stat, and it will start with that fight. Kamzat Chemaev, who's minus 550. What is this? Kam, Kamzat? Ch- Kamzat Chemaev. Can you give the last name? Chemaev. Oh. <laughs> C-H-I-M-A-E-V. So, Kamzat Chemaev. Chemaev. Chemaev is... Uh, Brazilian? Nope. He's sw- Swedish. Chemaev. Chemaev. He's, huh. he's Swedish. I think he lives in Sweden. I think he's of uh, Russian birth, but uh, Chechnyan birth. But he's he's been in Sweden for the last I don't know a long time. He immigrated to Sweden, so he he claims Sweden. Um, now it's making more sense. Yeah, obviously. So Kamzat Shemaev has now had four fights in the UFC. Only one of them went out of the first round. What weight class? He is a middleweight. Okay, like 185? 185, yep. Uh, he's also fought at 170, though, so he's he's bounced back and forth between the two. His fight this weekend is at 185. Is there any weight between those two? Nope, 170, wow. 185, welterweight to middleweight. Something you something MMA needs to fix. The weight class gaps are too big. Yeah. Um, which and then they say, well, it's it's not safe for people to cut weight. Well, make smaller weight classes, and you won't have to cut so much mm-hmm. weight. But in four fights. For Kamzat Shemaev, he has absorbed one significant strike, which was a jab. He's been punched in the face once, and he's finished all four fights. Ronda Rousey. It's It's got a lot of similarities to it, except when Ronda Rousey came in, she was fighting people who had basically never fought before, and... They, they looked like it. This, I mean, this guy's fighting guys on the UFC roster and just destroying them. Other girls were fighting those same girls, and they weren't breaking their arms. That is true. Um, so Kamzat Shemaev, minus 550, a, a deserving Ooh. massive favorite. Ooh, That's an area code I don't want to – that is an area code not only do I not, not want to drive in, <laughs> there is no way in hell I'm parking my car and getting out and walking through. Minus 550, and it, just because – any one punch. Sure. I don't even know if this dude can take a punch, right? But we don't, we, we, we've only seen him take one punch. Jab. And the guy he's fighting is a guy named Gilbert Burns, who's a world-class jiu-jitsu guy, a Brazilian. And two fights ago... The guy named Burns is Brazilian. Is Brazilian. Yeah. Yep. The guy named Chemayas is Swedish. Chemayev. Not Swedish. There's no Z. Not Dustin's Z Fiedelson. in the first name. <laughs> not V not, in the last name. Yeah, not... Okay. All right. But... Uh, Gilbert Burns, just two fights ago, in February of 2021, fought for the title. So this is a guy who is you know 20 and four in his career. He is a legitimate dude, and he is a plus 400 underdog. You like the dog? I don't like the dog. Really? What I like is 
the over-under for rounds is probably the way I'm going to approach this. Over-under for rounds is one and a half. Over is minus 125. Under is minus 106. So I'm going to look to under one and a half rounds. I think that – and here's the thing about Burns. He is not necessarily a knockout guy. Uh, he's a, a grappler. He's a submission guy. But I could see him not wanting to grapple with Shamayev, who's just ragdolled everybody he's fought, world-class wrestler. So I think that there, he could come out in sort of a kamikaze, I'm going wild, I'm throwing hands, I'm going to try to try to touch mm-hmm. this guy's chin that hasn't been touched. And this eliminates any liability of that happening by saying, I like Shamayev here because I, I don't know. I Like you just said, I haven't seen him get hit. I don't know what it's going to look like. So what I have seen him do is finish four fights in under a round and a half, and I expect that that either happens again or he gets caught and gets knocked out. So under one and a half rounds minus Playing 106. Any vague question for you here. So I might be wrong here. Okay. If there's a UFC fight in Miami, mm-hmm. I would think any any Latin fighter, any fighter from South America, like would get the crowd completely. But a fight in Jacksonville, Florida, that wouldn't apply it at all. Like you said, you're basically in Georgia. Would that be a fair statement? I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair statement. Um, although, I mean, Brazilians, they, they don't speak Spanish. So a lot of the times, like the Spanish-speaking Latins and Brazilians are separated because they they don't have a language in common. So mm-hmm. you'll see, like, when they have they fights... They can understand each other, though. I mean, Portuguese is very similar to it's similar, Spanish, right? But when there's fights in Southern California, and mm-hmm. uh, they, they will cheer heavily for Mexican fighters, for Colombians... They don't cheer for Brazilians. Okay, so that's just something to something Thank to you. consider. And Shamayev, obviously, I mean, when he, when you do what he's done in four fights, it, you you draw a, a a following. People are excited about this guy, which means he's probably expensive. You know, I, this is probably not a, a fair number. He's ten and zero in his career, four and zero in the UFC. Like I said, he's just been so dominant that you're going to have to pay a tax on him. Which against a former or a former title contender doesn't seem right, so I just can't find myself doing it. Now, a uh, fighter with only four fights um, in the UFC, so this is on the undercard, but this is your best bet. This no, this is the third fight, uh, third fight from the top, third fight mm, from the top. I don't so, know what from the top means. So, like, there's the main event, the co-main event, and then there's this fight. So there's all the, and that's because of this. This um, is the the third to last. The fight. fact that this dude has has got four knockouts so quickly. That yes, that's, and and that's and he's what, fighting a former title challenger. I'm so with you now. Okay. yeah, it's it's a big fight on the card. So is it? This is one of your best bets. How no, many? this is. Just, I'm not, I, I I I'll have a best bet. It's not that one. I'm just all giving right. out my thoughts on all three fights. On on the three big. Yep, and out, I and, and my, you'll have a best bet. Yeah, I will have a best bet. Outstanding. So, in fact, my best bet will come now on the uh, the co-main event. Pyotr Jan, who's Russian, in case you were wondering, mm-hmm. Jan uh, is taking on Aljamain Sterling, and this is for this is a title fight, and it's a rematch. Uh, that Aljamain Sterling won. He won the title by disqualification. Where is Sterling from? Sterling is from New York. Okay. So he is as American as they come. Um, but he. this is for the 135 title, bantamweight title. And Piotr Jan had been on a, a really strong run. He was a defending champion. Then he got DQ'd? He got DQ'd for, uh, in a fight that he was absolutely dominating. 
he was on his way, and I had him, I had uh, Piotr Jan by decision that night. And four and a half minutes into the fourth round, so 30 seconds left in the fight, he's got to be up four to, four to zero on the scorecards. And he lands this illegal knee. He gets disqualified, but Ken, and it's look a loser. Up, look up. It's, it's a contemporary artist. You might know it. Um, I believe it's called Crybaby. I'm not making yes. this up. What, 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 who, who, who did that album? Melanie Martinez. Yeah, Melanie Martinez, uh, quite a gifted artist. Not my kind of my cup of tea necessarily, but I can I can relate. I believe Crybaby, and she had like this video with the, like this wolf that got fed milk and stuff, and ultimately got <laughs> killed. Outstanding stuff. Um, How do you know Melanie Martinez? A friend of mine a few months ago showed me Melanie Martinez. Like you got to check out this artist. I thought I was hip. How do you know this girl? You're behind the times, I guess with Fez, so. my man. I, guess so. I got friends. Yeah, you got, you got obviously. I got friends. He's got connects. I have no diversity whatsoever, but I have diversity in my friends that that like different things. Let me guess. Now, I'm confident Jan is going to be favored in this. I don't know what. The, don't tell me what the what the what the first match was, but based upon the fact that he just absolutely dominated Mr. Sterling, I'm going to say he's minus two twenty in this match. He is minus four ninety. In this fight. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, They've been trying to rebook this fight for a long time. Sterling has been out with injuries. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, he's had a lot of uh, people say, oh, he's scared. He's he's trying to... uh, He's trying to get out of the fight. He doesn't want to fight him again because he he knows what's going to happen. And Piotr Jan is... How did the DQ happen again? uh, Illegal knee. Let the so, boys play. Come on. Yeah. So the guy. So he was down on the ground and got kneed in the face. Now you can you can knee a guy in the face. It just it's it, it it's not when he's on the ground. Right? Not when he's on the ground. But so, you, but if he's standing up, you can you can basically knock a sure. clock off. Right? Yes. But if yeah. he if he's a grounded opponent, which means he's got either a hand on the ground or a knee on the ground, you can't. You can't kick or knee in the face. It makes sense because if someone was on their knees and they could already be injured, you could probably paralyze them for life. So going back to the first time these guys fought at UFC 259, minus 110 either way. So So basically uh, what we did is we had two football teams play each other. We had no idea who was better. One team was up um, 44 to nothing, and they got themselves disqualified. Yes. And now they're going to play again, and everyone's saying, oh, we remember that. We remember that. And this is this is going to be your best bet, though. This is my best bet, but the best bet is that the fight goes to decision. Hmm. So the fight goes to decision is minus 118. Uh, I firmly believe that Piotr Jan is going to do exactly what he did in the first fight and beat up Aljamain Sterling for 25 minutes instead of 24 and a half minutes. Um I, I just think that he is better in literally every way. But Aljamain certainly is a tough guy. He he didn't get him out of there in the first fight despite dominating and ragdolling him around. Uh, I think that'll be the case once again. So I think these guys go a full five minutes. I, I don't th- but the the number for me of whether it goes to decision at minus one eighteen, I'd much rather pay that than pay the minus 490 on a fight that I could have had a few months ago at minus 110, even though the wrong side won in that fight. All things being equal, are the little guys more likely to go the distance than the big guys? Typically, yes. Because Typically, one, yes. One, punt, one clean punch Heavyweights and 205s, th- those fights can end in an instant. And that can happen at any weight, but it's less likely. It's like, more likely a submission hold than a punch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So... Uh, 
Jan Sterling goes to distance minus one eighteen will be my best bet for the pod. And one then, more question, okay. on that. So I got the yeah, guy got that they're going to go. It's going to be over or mm-hmm. go the distance or go over. I, I, either way, um, I don't know if you've had time to like follow world events, but there's this um, event going on in the Ukraine where Russia, Jan's country. You make a really good point because the the last UFC event. Um, I have been, I, I've been slow to maybe come around on this. The, the Russian fighters have not been getting the benefit of the doubt. Exactly. With the judges. And I'm, get, and I'm not just the judges, but with the referees, I can tell you right now, if I was referring a UFC fight, you know what? May, this may Ruin my credentials to ever ref a game again. But uh, any any guy from New York, remember, that's where Miracle on Ice was, mm-hmm. uh, he's getting every call against uh, a, a country that is basically um, pr- proven they're treacherous and untrustworthy. Yeah, so of the decisions that have happened since the invasion, uh, there has been... Only one Russian fighter to to win a decision, and the decision was so lopsided that they couldn't really score it the other way. But there was a fight on the last card, and I, I tweeted out after this. Uh, I said, "There's a guy named Askar Askarov who was fighting a guy from uh, New Zealand, and I thought he pretty clearly won two of the three rounds." And then it wasn't only not a like a split decision; it was all three judges scored it the other way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's really odd." I really feel like he dominated this first and third rounds. And they're like, somebody tweeted at me and was like, "Haven't you noticed since the invasion, Russians aren't getting these calls?" Which it, it, I mean, it does make a, a lot of sense. And you know, and even further, if you're a Russian fighter, this has got to be a very difficult time in terms of you're distracted. You're calling back home. You're worried about the well-being of people you may know. On top of it, it's probably not very easy to get very good um, training. Uh, very good. There's probably people that don't even want to necessarily represent you unless you're, sure. you're paying a premium, you know, to 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 do so. Right? There's got to be a lot of headaches associated right now with with being a Russian. I mean, I would like it to be. You know, if you're Japanese in 1946, that probably wouldn't have been the best time to be an MMA fighter. No, that's absolutely absolutely true. So, uh, yeah, I and it's tough for me to say how he's dealt with that as far as um, as as far as training goes. I know he he usually trains in Thailand. Um, P- Piotr Jan does, but he lives in Siberia. So I, it's just like Rocky effing four, <laughs> basically, except just a very tiny, <laughs> tiny version of that. All right, and the main event. Is Alexander Volkanovsky? You're gonna Russian? No, Australian. Of course, really? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Volkan Volkanovsky. This one's gonna hey, be mate. This one's gonna. He, he talks just like that. It's it's <laughs> hilarious. You're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you a really good chance of guessing where his opponent is from. His name is the Korean Zombie. South Korea. Correct. I knew you would get that. I knew you would get that. Uh, it's been around for quite some time. Yeah, Korean Zombie is plus 500 against oh, Volk. 
Things have not gone well for the Koreans. They actually have gone really well, but he's fighting a guy who's won 20 fights in a row. Fair enough. And Volkanovski is arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the UFC. Um, He has... Is he the world champion? He is the world champion at 145 pounds. And he is minus 700 here. Uh, Wait, he was just minus 600. No, he's minus 700, zombie plus 500. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Uh, so I, I, I dug into this, and I finally landed on, I'm going to go with Volkanovski by decision. Uh, Volk, first of all, Korean Zombie's been historically tough to finish. This is a very tough guy. He's been finished three times in his career. One of those times was in the final five seconds of a fight. So they, they didn't have to stop it, but they did. Um, so he's very difficult to finish. And Volkanovski, is a, he's a dominant fighter, but not a dominant finisher. So his last four fights, all by decision, all, well, three of the four complete dominations, uh, the one exception being against Max he gets Holloway on the ground and just basically is on top and yeah, a, a wrestler. He's a wrestler mm-hmm. and okay. he is a a dominant wrestler, and he will probably dominate the uh, zombie with his wrestling. He's also a really good boxer. He could do that as well. It doesn't make sense to box with Korean Zombie because that's where that's his best attribute. So uh, I think this fight goes to distance. The over under four and a half rounds is minus one seventy. So I could go that, but I think if it goes that long, I, I cert- the longer it goes, the more I like the champion who's used to these five-round fights, is used to going the distance, is used to dominating, and doesn't his gas tank is just endless. So I will go with Alexander Volkanovsky by decision, minus 125 in that fight. Logical. So just to recap, I'll, in the Chemayev-Burns fight, I like under one and a half rounds, minus 106. In the Jan Sterling fight, my best bet is going to be that that fight goes to decision, minus 118. And then in the uh, the main event, Volkanovski and Korean Zombie, I like Volk by decision, minus 125. And for all those who haven't been following A.J. Hoffman and his UFC acumen, former professional UFC fighter. Not UFC fighter, MMA fighter. No, I, not in the UFC. That's Those guys yeah. are on a different level. I stand corrected. Yeah. Former MMA fighter. The uh, 9-0 and on one select weekend, and you have not had a losing UFC card in what, forever, right? Five, uh, last five events. So, yes. yeah, been been strong. And you've been putting them up. You know, yep. on, on all the major you know weekend events. Yeah, there was one uh, one weekend that I didn't, and it was the opening weekend of college basketball tournament. And I was like, I, back to specialization. Exactly, man. you can't do two two at once. Yep. So that's, that's pretty much it. So that's fantastic. So will you have a full card? I'll have a full card this weekend. Is, so as well. how do people get your uh, a pregame dot com? Of course, pregame dot pre-game. com. It, Find uh, AJ Hoffman. Is it up right now? Do you have? A, it's not up yet. It, it'll be up uh, either Thursday or early Friday. Okay. Let's let's go ahead. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, let's put up the package. Okay. All right. And then under the, there's a option where it says um, comments or stats. I can't remember. And just say picks will be up by Friday morning or whenever. So put up the package. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to have you customer appreciation. RJ's not here right now, so I'm going to give away some of his money. What do you normally sell those packages? $25. $25 what we're going to do. We're not going to do a coupon. Forget the coupon. You're going to put that up for $19, and that price is going to be only good for 24 hours. 
So after 24 hours, you can pop it to $25. Okay. So that people who buy it early, they won't get the picks right away because they're not up yet. You're still doing your work. But they'll be locked in on that $19. Does it sound like a, uh, a sounds, viable plan? Sounds like a good plan. RJ can't say no. He's not here. He's right? not here. So, yeah, good call. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, that, that covers it for UFC 273 on Saturday night.